Hello everyone and welcome to episode 4 of the RPD Dispatch. I am John, better known as .50cal on the boards. I'm joined today by a special guest, uh, Gene, Selfish Gene hello on the forums. Hello everyone. Uh, back with us again is uh, Chris, better known as Alzer. Say hello. Hey. And uh, finally, rounding out the cast is John, Mr. Spencer. Alright. Alright, so first up we have Code Veronica discussion, and then uh, we'll be moving into the news discussion. That begins at 43 minutes in. Uh, we cover the trailer discussion. That starts at 58 minutes in. Uh, Gene begins discussing the uh, new Biohazard 5 trailer, which appears after, or just before Degeneration at 124. Uh, the Degeneration talk starts at 128. Spoiler discussion for the Degeneration part starts at 133. And the community degeneration questions begin at or two hours, exactly. Okay, so the first segment here, we had, we had the members play Code Veronica, and uh, we played various versions of it. I think, Gene, you played the original Biohazard on Dreamcast. So I, played Bio, I played Biohazard on the Dreamcast. All right. I played the, uh, the GameCube version. Uh, Chris, what did you play? I played Code Veronica X for the PS2. And John? Uh, I also played uh, Code Veronica X for the PS2. So the reason Gene's joining us today is because he just got off seeing the premiere of Biohazard Degeneration in Japan. Can you tell us a little bit about the meeting there? You know, the theater and everything? Okay, the uh, the film opened only to three screens in all of Japan. And I had to travel about an hour to go to Osaka to get there. Um, it was I got there at midday, and all the sessions early sessions were booked I had to get a seat in the five o'clock session so it was there was a lot of people going to see it gotcha and um, I think there was even a special guest that showed up yes we had the producer director and scriptwriter of the film come to do about 15 minutes of speaking before very the, cool. the film played they, they'd been to one screening at each of the three theaters and Osaka at five o'clock was the last one I was actually I was really lucky to get into that showing I got I had four seats in the whole cinema I could have sat in because that's all they had left. And I got there in midday to book my seat for a five o'clock showing, so. Gotcha. I'll end this once and for all. Say hello to my comrades who have killed. I don't know where you get your confidence, Chris. <laughs> sure, I'm not human anymore. But just look at the power I've gained. Magnificent, don't you think? Today's your lucky day. Next time we meet, don't count on another. Next time. Until we meet again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 
Okay, so as we said before the break, we had the members go through Code Veronica, or Code Veronica X, whatever they preferred or had. Um, I just want to get your general thoughts on the game before we go into the details and everything. So let's start with Gene, our guest. As I said earlier, I played the original Biohazard Code Veronica on the Dreamcast. I hadn't finished it before, though I'm quite familiar with Code Veronica X. Um, I don't think the game suffers too much without the extra content of Code Veronica X. It's, it stands up on its own quite well. It doesn't feel lacking in any real areas. But there's a few, I think, a few big problems with the game that set it apart from being the best in the series. Could you just gloss over those quick? What, what are they that you I think? think? I think the length of the game is just much too long. Um, there's a lot of backtracking and it can be confusing at times. Gotcha. I think some of the boss battles can be quite difficult and frustrating as well. Yeah, definitely. So, Chris, how about you? Um, I had similar thoughts about it. And um, one thing is I used to really dislike Code Veronica. And after I've replayed it again, I'm not sure why. I, I still don't... I, I think the same as Gene. It's not as not as good as the rest of the series. But it, it wasn't as bad as I expected. And... Um, one thing that I found pretty interesting as I played it was uh, originally the first time I played it, I played it on the Japanese version of uh, the Dreamcast. Hmm. So I had uh, both normal and easy mode to do that. So I must have played it through easy mode back then because I seem to remember it being a lot easier than it was. So the first time playing through the English version, it, it just has one difficulty mode and it was a little bit harder than I remembered. And, and it's caused me to have a bit of trouble because I'm kind of low on healing herbs and such a few times but that's just you know Got the way it. I play gotcha uh, for me yeah. uh, going back to this the last time I played was when the the Dreamcast version came out I think even after the PS2 version came out X uh, I didn't play very far but um, going through it was kind of interesting um, I think the early game suffers a lot more than the later like the later game is a lot more interesting to me Overall, though, um, I, I have a good opinion on it. I mean, I liked it, uh, despite there were certain things like, you know, the inability to walk upstairs and such. Certain advances that 3 made, which weren't in this, which seemed kind of odd. And maybe I'll, we'll get into that a bit more, but John, how about you? If I could summarize Code Veronica X in a media-friendly soundbite, uh, it would have to be backtracking, moff eggs, siblings, and transsexuals. No, wait, cross-dressers, I stand corrected. Um, having said that, I'll probably have to write up an extensive apology again for the beginning of the next podcast, like I did for Japan and the black people in RE5, but I digress. In other words, I'm not too keen on Code Veronica. It's... Not, it, the pre-rendered backgrounds that were introduced since uh, RE2, RE3, whatever, RE1, they still make the earlier games look impressive today. They still look good today. They've stood the test of time well. However, in Code Veronica X, which has a fully 3D background, it's aged a lot poorly. Uh, it looks like it looks very bland. Uh, the textures are very bland. It's, it's just not very not very interesting areas to uh, to go through. There's also the fact that way too much backtracking, um, often at times unnecessary. Uh, it's almost as though they were trying to artificially lengthen the game, uh, whether it be by you know backtracking to put some eagle plate in a guillotine or 
uh, you know, opening some door that would you know, a slower door animations where it would zoom in and you would like focus on your hand turning the doorknob. Like for the, when the doors uh, change, like when you open not change when you open the doors, it does like it slows down and the camera yeah, yeah. focuses on your hand turning the doorknob and it's again unnecessary lengthening of the game. Uh, even if you are about to descend into Mengele's Jew torture rape dungeon beneath the prison. <laughs> okay. Um, so now so, we can kind of get into the specifics of uh, of uh, Code Veronica. So, Gene, um, I guess we'll start with you. Just some things you noticed while going through the game, and maybe we can comment on them. Okay, I, I agree with what John said there, that the, the, because of the 3D engine and the sort of lack of detail compared to the earlier games, it really hasn't aged as well as Biohazard 1, 2, and 3. Yeah, I'd agree. It And... Also with those um, those poor backgrounds, I think the animations are a step backwards from Resident Evil 3. Really? They, I, that's, in my opinion, yes. Like, can you give an um, example of that? Because I didn't really pick up on anything. The only thing I noticed was maybe like when they get up on a crate or something, it's a bit too quick. But I know the, uh, the zombies. Now, like in Resident Evil 3, the zombies have different speeds. They can be very slow, or the doctor zombie, he's always fast. And you see he yeah. lurches and marches very quickly towards your character. And if you, if you look at Resident Evil 3, every zombie speed has a distinct and separate animation. And it just, it just sort of it looks less uniform and more realistic in number three. Oh, they just kind and of speed it up, yeah. Now that you mention that, and, I did notice that. And they just take massive strides. Like, if you look at that Doctor Zombie, he takes like six-foot strides nearly. He's... Yeah, the sound effects... It doesn't look good. Even the sound effects are, like, repeated very quickly, so it's weird. Yeah, that's right. And also, speaking of sound effects, actually, I'm, I'm not the only one, I'm sure, who noticed that a lot were reused from Resident Evil 2. Yeah, Claire's screams especially, like when she was getting hit by things, definitely. And a lot of the zombie noises, even the ambient zombie noises, uh, straight out of Resident Evil 2. And when you think that it's a, a next-gen jump from the PlayStation era to Dreamcast slash PS2 games, that they reused the sound effects like yeah. that, I mean, it's, I think that's pretty poor. I think maybe and I, well, you... Dreamcast wasn't really next gen at the time. Not in my opinion. Uh, at the time, at the time, I think it was. Definitely, it was. I don't know what you're talking about. No, no, I'm, so I'm, the... I'm just saying it because I know someone who's a Sega fanatic, and it, it annoys me. <laughs> he obsesses over this console. Okay, keep picking it up, though, Gene. <laughs> okay, but if I can just get back to that. Um, also, if you consider that. Code Veronica was in development at the same time as Resident Evil 3, and you look at that finished product compared to Code Veronica, there's a lot of things in Resident Evil 3 even that are superior to Code Veronica. If I could just comment on that really quick. You, you said that you know it seemed like maybe 3 was a bit better in production than, than Code Veronica. I'd, I'd kind of agree, but I'd also say that it could possibly be because Capcom's team didn't really have a, as much experience on the on the Dreamcast and sort of relied on third-party companies to make a lot of their tech, like maybe even the maps and such, because I noticed, like, it, they don't really have the detail that the pre-rendered backgrounds, and fair enough, you know, they, they won't they won't have them, obviously, because they can't fit that amount of polys in there, but still, like, it's just environments more really sparse and barren, but go, go ahead and get back to what you're saying. No, no, I agree with that. I think because it is a new technology, whereas... 
Resident Evil 3 was the third iteration with that old engine. Yeah. But if you look at the animations in Resident Evil 3, which were a lot recycled from the 1.5 prototype, but and even those sound effects were new, those animations hadn't been seen before. Yeah. So, and the character animations were also different from Biohazard 2, so there was, they, there was sort of an intent to make everything new and, and actually looking really good in number three. And I think, I don't know if Code Veronica was rushed at all, but especially some of the animations I think are quite poor. Like if you stand on the spot and just turn your character. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it just pivots. It, she doesn't move her legs or anything. She just pivots if, on the spot. If you notice with Steve especially, that's really horrendous because he, he has a really awkward position that you would not do if you were pivoting like that. It's just, mm. he, he looks really weird with his chest out and his arms back. He, he looks very... Why would you want to pivot anyway in the first place? I've not seen anyone, I've not met anyone in my life who just stands somewhere and just <laughs> rotates around 360 degrees. You know, just... the, thing that, the other thing that confused me is we've been going... Th- back through the uh, games like you know from 3 to 2 and then to 1 I got used to not using the quick turn and right. in Code Veronica you know that's that's there obviously but I hardly ever used it because I was so you know my muscle memory was so into the point where you know oh got to pivot you can't do a quick turn no the quick turns in it that's fine the animation for that's okay I think yeah um what else if you look at the steps in Biohazard 3, you can just walk up short staircases. Whereas in Code Veronica, you have to press a button to even go up the tiniest thing, one step yeah. in one instance on that bridge near the prison. Oh, yeah, it's two steps. <laughs> two steps, yeah. And it's. I, I just would have thought that they'd, there'd be more communication between the development teams to sort of get more consistency through there. Yeah. Just to some of the zombies. Some of the zombies have, like, explosive packs on them. And he's like suicide bombers sent by Islamic extremists over the protest of Little Big Planet, or what? I'd qu- I'd really <laughs> question that. Like, it do- I'd I'd assume they were Wesker's men sent in, you know, and they became zombies because they were attacked by Bandersnatches and what have you. But I th- I do question the placement of their explosives that they were probably going to set. You know, it seems a bit funny that it's right on their back. But some, but some of the people were... had like wearing suits and ties. If you were part of a special forces operation, you wouldn't turn up wearing a you nice know, sharp suit and a jacket and a tie, would you? I mean, they—I didn't notice that during my playthrough. Huh? I don't know why they're at the airport, but I thought they were just sort of like palace, you know, minions who maintain the palace and things like that. I don't know. Yeah, it could be. Because you see the prisoners in the prison area. All the zombies are the prisoners. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're sort of palace and airport areas. So there's also. Um... People behind the painting in Alexia's uh, mansion remake there, which kind of surprised me because like there's zombies in the labs, so presumably you know there were people, you know, maintaining the labs and everything even after Alexia's departure. So, well, that's right. Well, and that was Alfred's lab too. Yeah. So, but and then he he's been Nosferatu for the past ten or fifteen years, fifteen years at least. I think you mean Alexander. Is it Edward? Alexander. Alexander, right? Alexander. Did I say Edward? No, no, wait, wait. Yeah, you said Alfred. <laughs> Alfred, okay. Go on. Sorry. It's all right. Okay, Chris, you want to... Yeah, I have a couple of things. Uh, you guys touched on most of what I could think of, but a couple of things that I, I can remember is uh, Code Veronica didn't really seem very gory. Oh, man. How could I forget that? Yeah, the 
there was a big outcry when the first when the game first released. Like there was no head explosions or anything like that. But you know, right, you did right. get the blood and everything, but no head popping or anything like that. I thought that was just so, a pal thing. Nope. No. No, I heard that that was sort of in the background to the 1999 Columbine shootings. Oh, could really? I know they I did. Heard that. I don't know. That could be the case because I know the stated reason for the North American version of Gun Survivor just being Survivor and, you know, it didn't use the gun con at all was the, the Columbine shootings and all that. No, I what year was that, 2000? I Honestly, I, I don't know. Um, I shortly. I, I'm sorry, I, I remember Columbine. And I specifically don't remember any heads exploding during that entire incident. Yeah, but you gotta realize the nation at that time. I mean, was... I understand that you know it's a delicate issue, and uh, but I don't know. Yeah. All I will say is this is why we can't have nice things. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> These assholes gotta fuck it up for all the rest of us. So for me, the first the first area, like the prison and all that, I didn't mind it so much in the beginning. But it's just that that area drags on so much with, with all the backtracking. Like, you know, just when I thought I got the final item in this area, oh, no, you got a piano roll now, so now you got to go all the way back to the private residence where, you know, the butler stays, and you got to use that there. And then it's just, it, it's really, uh, it really got monotonous there, especially the environments there are so drab. It's like uh, really low-resolution brick textures. I mean, I could forgive that, but, like, just combine that with the, you know, bluish purple fog in the background and it just really gives us this atmosphere of dread and not not in a good way like the kind of way where it's like you know these these environments are so sterile you know it's really bland and it got really monotonous just going through back and back and forth back and forth i, I thought know, no, I, I agree thought, i thought the code room was pretty atmospheric that point that bit when the the uh the mansion replica and there's like a code room where you get ambushed by like seven zombies or so. Oh, wait. Where is this? Is this in, in Antarctica? Ant yeah, in Antarctica. I thought it really picked up once you got to Antarctica because the environments were a lot more uh, hmm, familiar. Like, you know, interesting, I guess you would say, because it's labs and, you know, man the mansion remake and the, like, the main hall remake and the gallery room remake were really fun to see. I had forgotten about the gallery remake, so when I got in there, I was all giddy. <laughs> uh, if you look at disc one with Claire, and she's exploring the palace, the small mansion, the airport, the military trading facility, and the prison, all at one time. It's And you sort of get, like, you get the piano roll in the prison, and you have to take it back to the palace, Yeah. and then you get the gold key, which has to go to the... that goes to the palace, and then you get the blue plate, which goes back to the military trading facility. The guillotine, and just, yeah. And you've got to run around and just, most of the time, just running through these drab, drab environments. Well, I was about to say that, you know, with the replicant of the mansion, and uh, you could argue that Code Veronica was, in fact, a little bit of a, you know, a homage to um, uh, Resident Evil 1, the original. You have Wesker's return, you have the mansion replica, you have the shotgun putting it on the hooks. Yeah. You know, you, you have all these little... Little, um, it was almost like it was almost nostalgic, you know. Was, a there was even a file where uh, I think it's is it Edward that was it, or no, was it? Oh man, I'm confused here. Wait, Alexander, Alexander, is that Alfred's uh, father, right? That's right. Okay, Alexander. He had a note like in his uh, in his diary where it basically said that you know he 
he'll have this uh, facility built in the in an Antarctic mine that's been abandoned, and he wanted it to mirror uh, Trevor's mansion. But he it was interesting because he mentioned that it was his mansion. You know, it wasn't built for Spencer; it was built for him, which seemed kind of funny. Actually, the the name Spencer Estate, I believe, was first introduced in uh, Perry's novels, not actually in the game. Is that right? That's my understanding. But um, and then, of course, with Resident Evil Five, Wesker mentions we last met at the Spencer Estate. So yeah, I, um, I thought it was called the Spencer Estate, like in the uh, Trevor's letters. It could have been. What were they in? What game were they actually? Uh, in? They they were supposed to be in Resident Evil One, but they yeah. were cut. But they're still. I think they're still on the disc, or they're in the trial disc, or something. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, it's... and they're in the uh, birth of Biohazard. Yeah, the f- true story behind Biohazard book. Sorry. Funny little inconsistency there, but uh. I just assumed that. Uh, I just assumed that Wesker had read Perry's novels and thought, "Hey, that's that's an interesting name to call a mansion." I think I refer to it as that from now on. I thought it was interesting too when you find Alexia's diary when you go through the uh, painting there. Nice homage to uh, Remake there, but uh, I'm an idiot because Remake was released far after this. <laughs> yes, it was. Yes, but getting back to the point, uh, Alexia's diary mentions how she was worried that Spencer was going to take over Umbrella, and it kind of gives you a glimpse like into the backstory. I didn't recall this back when uh, I started playing the game, but it kind of gives you an insight into sort of the infighting between... Uh, you know, the Ash, Ashford's, uh, Spencer, and uh, Marcus. Wait, don't you mean Alexander? Oh, sorry, yeah. You said Alexia. No, no, I said, I said, I said, uh, Ashford. I'm sure you said Alexia. You, you said, said Alexia. Alexia's word. Of... Just now? You said Alexia's diary. Yeah, it is Alexia's diary, though. But Alexia wasn't worried about, because I'm sure you typed in on something here. You no, said... you damn fool, listen here. It was Alexia. It was, I'm sure of this. I even looked at it myself. You said you did it again. What? You said Alexia again. No, I, oh, shut up. You're just messing with me here now. <laughs> I am, I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, it was Alexia's diary, so kind of gives an insight into their paranoia and maybe Marcus's well-founded paranoia. I thought it was kind of interesting, too, how, like, they sort of addressed the Umbrella back history, how just, you know, this multi-billion dollar corporation that's all, uh, you know, stone face, you know, it's you don't know the origins of it, really, uh, for the first few games. You just know that, you know, they've been spreading these terrible things. And then you find out uh, it's just three families behind it, and, you know, one of them, Miss Spencer, he... Uh, you know, he just assassinated as many of them as he could, and then, you know, the, the Ashfords sort of fell from grace after the Edward's death, and then uh, Alexander took over and sort of squandered the Ashford name, which was so precious to them. But uh, I think Alfred did a much worse job than <laughs> any of them could have. He lost Rockford. He lost his mind. Okay, I feel sorry for Alfred because the last thing he sees before he dies is his own sister naked. Well, he. You know, I think. He kind of enjoyed I think that, Alfred would I think. have been. Right? I was going to say, I think he would have been very content saying that before he died. Yeah, kind of, I don't know if it's, they were like, you know, incestuous together or anything. Like, like the video you see when they were kids, well, kind of. He, ba- he was badly wounded. He was shot. But, Can he still get an erection when, you, when you've been oh, shot? But listen, <laughs> the, the video that plays is kind of creepy. Like, it looks kind of like even they go to kiss, but 
the funny thing is, like, even in Alexia's diary, it says that she thinks of her brother as a buffoon, basically. You know, she wonders if he's capable of, you know, tending her needs or whatever, or making sure that nothing goes wrong while she's in stasis. And he, of course, he basically fucks it up and, like, becomes this sadomasochist who lets, like, this doctor experiment on all the prisoners and, you know, the military training facilities fall into the disrepair. Mind you, it was built 30 years ago. Mm. I got the impression that Alfred went mental after Alexia was taken from him, and that's what drove him insane. It could be, because they do mention that Alexia and Alfred, you know, they broke into the painting room area and they found the truth behind their birth, which was that Edward had, uh, I'm saying the wrong name again. It's it's Alexander. Alexander. Yeah. That Alexander had found uh the gene which you know promotes intelligence and he he implanted an embryo into a woman a surrogate mother and had twins unexpectedly, but uh Alfred was sm- I think the report said that Alfred was above intelligence, above average intelligence, but he wasn't considered a genius, but Alexia herself was, you know, a genius. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, if you look at Alfred when he's cross-dressing and things, like he he really longs for Alexia again. I think, yeah. Yeah, he. And, that's probably what sent him over the edge. And then, like, he kind of realizes that he's kind of insane when he sees himself in the mirror, you know, as Alexia uh, with the makeup on. He's like, no. That's probably like the only glimpse of sanity you sort of get into his character too. Yeah, and then like he'll show up on monitors using Alexia's voice, even though he's. Alfred, you know, so his mind obviously was not in proper order by that point. But I thought he he was an interesting character, I think, Alfred. Yeah, he was. Um, He wasn't very mundane, that's why I liked him. I don't think his voice was as bad as I remember it. Like, I kind of built built it up as, like, this terrible accent and such. He does have a few cringeworthy laughs, but nothing on the order of Steve, in my opinion. I totally agree. No, that's... Steve totally undermines any bad acting that Alfred could ever do. I'm sorry, Clear. It's just, it's just bad. Wait, 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 don't shoot. Exactly. He has no emotion. Like, he doesn't fit in with Claire at all, who is, you know, an experienced voice actress. He's yeah, no. just really bad. If I was in a Capcom meeting and they said, okay, we're going to re-release Code Veronica, going to call it Code Veronica X, what are we going to change? Surely, number one thing on the table is Steve's voice. Oh no, no. I think, his hair. I, 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 think, I think we should change <laughs> his hair just, just slightly. Give it a little tinge in the front. Very oh, so slightly. It's it's so slight. It's it, it makes you wonder why they even did it. I guess to hide uh, the uh, low resolution texture part. But I'm sure most people listening to this probably didn't even know. So yeah, to be honest, there's a couple other changes. Gene, don't you have a list of them or? The uh, Japanese Biohazard Code Veronica X guidebook has a list of all the changes between the versions. Oh, great. Most of them, again, it's just the new cutscenes with Wesker. Yeah. And it shows all the places that Dig appears in the new cutscenes as well as the old. Wait. So just all the secrets. Sorry, wait. But you see... What was that, Gene? Dig? Dig. D-I-J. Dig. Oh, oh. D-I-J. Gotcha. Do you say... I say Dig. I say D-I-J, since it's his initials. Okay. Yeah. Okay, anyway. And so, um, but there's a few very minor changes, like Steve's hair is changed in the orig- uh, from the original. Yeah. Chris's hair in the final cutscene is changed. Um, 
Whiskers' final result screen on his battle game has changed. I think they, Chris's... they like for Chris's hair, they just sort of make it look a little bit less Japanesey, you know, a little less fringe. It's less spikes. Yeah, yeah. And actually, Chris's hair also in his character portrait, oh. he has a tiny few strands falling down on his forehead now. <laughs> in the remake. it's it's just tiny changes like that. It makes me really wonder why they bothered. Really, so. really bizarre. Some of the changes they made. Oh, uh, here's actually there's a secret here. I was going to mention earlier, the zombie with the sword. Oh right, yeah, in the Iron Maiden. Now, I sh one of the points I should have brought up earlier, the zombie in the Iron Maiden, when you stab him with the sword, if you don't kill him and you just get the piano roll and exit out that door, that zombie will follow you through that door into the area above. And oh. so you'll see the zombie walking around with the sword in his chest. And he, <laughs> you know, he can only go through that one door. But if you compare that um, Code Veronica was in development at the same time as Resident Evil 3, which, of course, had Nemesis running through the doors. Yeah. But even if you look at it, came out after Dino Crisis. And I'm not sure how many people have played Dino Crisis, but that had a lot of enemies going through doors chasing you. Yeah. And that's one area that I think they also dropped the ball to get sort of more tension into the game. Gotcha. So overall, I guess that kind of sums up. I mean, I like the game and everything, but there's certain things that sort of just make it from... Not my favorite. Yeah, I, I really like the after parts, like when you get to Antarctica, like then you get to see more of the story, but the very beginning, just the environments are so bland and the story you know there, there really isn't any story it's just let's escape this island and there's not really any finding of files that really show some of the prehistory of umbrella but um let's go to uh mr spencer john how about you what, do, what are your thoughts on the on the game any i like i said it's not my favorite game it's good but i'd say you know compared to re3 re2 it's not it's not great you know it's not my favorite um, actually, I may even go so far to say that I don't really like it very much. I'm not a fan. Mm. I'm not a fan of the game. Too much backtracking, too many, too much unnecessary uh, things you have to do. Not a fan. Now, how about the graphics? Did they were they uh, acceptable? To anybody? like to me, I think they were acceptable. Uh, certainly, a step up from three and such, which I think to this day looks pretty damn good. Like anybody have any criticisms of them or as as John said before, they haven't aged well. I think at the time they looked okay, but I think that the poor animations, which seems to just be a problem I have with the game I, I find that harder to ignore than the backgrounds and things yeah uh, it's it's all great having good character models, but they're animated really poorly that that to me just it it just it's not as good for I me think, I think I don't find. I think one of the things that probably detracted from it was the the amount of independent contractors that they used to outsource a lot of the things. I'd assume that they did this for several things, like you know, big things like the the maps and such. They didn't really have that Resident Evil charm, in my opinion. You know, that it's like somebody read a design document and sort of did it, you know, line by line. Okay, what do we have here? Okay, we have this. Something that might lend credence to this is the fact that during the credits, there's. I think I mentioned this, didn't I? Not on a okay. I, one of the things I met I seen in the credits was that there was a whole bunch of companies listed as you know partner companies or special thanks, lots of 3D modeling firms, and if you notice, 
in like Biohazard Archives or Resident Evil Archives, whatever you have, uh, there's several like architecture artwork of Code Veronica, like much more than the previous games in the series, which makes me think that Capcom probably sat down with an artist and said, okay, we need you to design these rooms because we need to have a guide for the people who are actually going to be building this stuff, who know Dreamcast, who know 3D modeling better than our guys do, you know, because they've been working on the PS1 engine, all that, till this point. I'd, I'd wonder if they did all that just so that they could sort of nail the, nail the uh, structure of the game down. Actually, and just on that point about the environments, something mm -hmm. Rombie said on the, the forums, and I tend to agree with him, that when the environments change from so from playing in them as Claire to playing in them as Chris, that the that's actually quite clever how they blow up walls and that gives you new access routes and all the ice freezes so you can cross that bridge and things. I think that's actually quite clever. Yeah, I, I like I much more enjoyed Chris's time there because it was nice and brief. You didn't have half as much backtracking as Claire. You know, no, that's right. You just sort of got out of there, and then once you got to Antarctica, you know, it was completely different environments, uh, some familiar places, and the story really picked up then because you know you, well, in Code Veronica X at least, uh, Wesker, you know, you see him and. Um, but if if I could just say the the self destruct system on that island was really piss weak. I no mean, kidding, right? It blew <laughs> yeah. out a couple of walls. I mean, that's it. You know, and the palace road blew up the fence. But, well, yeah, really crap. I think it was wasn't it? It was set up in uh, the private residence where the butler wasn't allowed. You know, Alfred was it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure, wasn't it? Or am I? That's where you. That's where you hear it first. Yeah, I'd assume it, it was there. Alfred, Alfred starts the sequence there, but I don't know where the bombs were located or anything. I'd assume it was there because you never get to that area again. So I'd assume like you know the major blast damage was there. But yeah, that really was. A really poor system there. And actually, if I can say something else, the Umbrella really need to work on their anti-Bear W gas. <laughs> Is that in the game here? Or? Yeah, if you send a crate full of it into, no, canisters full of oh. it, you explode them in the, um, in the spider room. Right. And the spiders just merrily crawl around and spit acid at you like nothing ever happened. You think they'd... Does it even do anything? No, nothing at all. It... it you need it to open the gas mask chamber to get that for later. But yeah. in, in number two as well, it actually makes the enemy stronger. During the second playthrough, yeah. It's like, yeah, the ivy. I think Umbrella really need to invest in their uh, chemists. I think they did it on purpose in case people were going to try and stop and fight back. They would deliberately make uh, an anti-BOW gas that was ineffective or you know, made the situation worse <laughs> to you know, kill survivors, if you will. But I was actually, the first time I played through the game, I was really confused. I thought, okay, I filled the room with gas, I've got the gas mask, now I'm going to explore the gaseous room. Because, of course, Claire should have no way of knowing that further down the road she's going to need a gas mask. So I thought it was for immediate use there. Yeah. It, there's a few, a few instances like that where, especially with the crossover with Chris and Claire, you sort of notice things which Chris has to use later on. Yeah. And you can get, sort of get caught up wondering how you're meant to use that in a puzzle when Claire doesn't use it, Chris does later. Yeah, yeah. Um, how about the battle game, Gene? Did you play that at all? I didn't play it this time. I've, um, I'm familiar with it. I don't like it. In my opinion, the first-person mode is really interesting. Like, it, it adds a new dynamic. You know, it makes things a little bit easier, sometimes a bit harder, depending on, you know, the situation. But uh, the bosses, though, oh, man. Like, uh... 
I, I couldn't I couldn't really beat them, to be honest. Like, I'm, I'm ashamed to say it. Infinite ammo and all. Like, Alexia would just take me down her second form when you play as Chris. Like, it's those little sweeper things that hit you with the tentacles. They just really started ganging up on you. And even though, like, you, you try to go move the air... You try to move from your current position in order to shotgun them, but it just doesn't work because they just... You know, Alexia will knock you over with a tentacle then, and then they'll just be right under your feet again. It's... A, such an annoying battle there. I think yeah, you, it's, you had trouble with it. There's no skill. Too. Yeah, yeah, no skill, exactly. It's just empty as much shells into this thing as you can and uh, shoot the things at your feet a couple times. That's and, right. It, I use the grenade launcher, which you can kill sort of two or three at once with the spread. Ah. Uh, but, and then she just spawns more and then they, you know, they hold you in place while she hits you with a tentacle or shoots yep. acid at you. I have to say, uh, her boss design was interesting. Like, she was like almost pregnant. It reminds you of her, her boss... Uh, form uh, reminded me of Parasite Eve, you know, uh, you know, she, like, like she was actually pregnant with this new species or whatever. Mm. So I think it was an interesting design for her. Uh, I thought her final design, I mean, not not design, but the actual fight was just horrendous. Gene, I think you which would... the the flying uh, yeah. dragonfly form. Yeah, I mean it's. I actually got really lucky and hit her with about the third shot, but other times I've played, you know, I've just run out of time. Yeah, I got down to 20 seconds left. I mean, I must have shot that linear launcher at her maybe like 30 or 40 times and nothing. The only time I was actually able to hit her was when, uh, you know, because she'll spit acid at you. You usually get maybe one and two or two shots with the, li ugh, with the linear launcher if you're lucky, but... I managed to fire a third one just as she was beginning to spit acid, and it actually hit her. So, hallelujah. But uh, I played the original, so even if you have, say, 20 seconds on the countdown timer left, Chris just runs down the stairs, Claire's in the jet. I don't know how long vertical takeoff landing planes take to warm up, but they get out of there. Now, with Code Veronica X, that uh, Wesker uses his uh, time-stopping abilities, and... Um, yeah, it's a big, long, drawn-out sequence. Yeah, uh, it's a, it's it's a nice, nice sequence. Um, I mean, it's it's fan service, obviously, but uh, I enjoyed it to be honest. Like, you know, it's their final confrontation, but it's interrupted by the facility exploding. You know, but uh, overall, I thought it was nice. It sort of let you know that Wesker really was this super powerful being now because he got, you know, his face crushed by a, like, thousand-pound beam or whatever. And, and, like, he still got up. He was a bit dizzy, though, so maybe there's hope for Chris in RE5. <laughs> no, I, I, I... People will probably see my post on the boards. I think I think the reintroduction of Wesker into the series is worse than any changes that Biohazard 4 brought to the series. I just... I, I don't like Wesker being back, and it, I guess... Not so much the super, even the superhuman aspects of it. It's just, it's sort of come to light in number four, where he's he's sort of collecting all these viruses and things, and he just sits in his throne laughing at everyone, but he doesn't actually do anything with them. Yeah, that's... He's not selling to terrorists, he's, you know, he's just, he's got some master plan, but he's, but, <laughs> but Wesker, he, he's, I, I think the series is just standing still and, of course, I blame that straight back to the, the reintroduction of Wesker, which I think was unnecessary. And that's another reason where I, that makes me feel that Code is not a great game. Yeah. Finding its, finding its place in the overall series because of that, I feel it sort of brings it 
Mm, probably, I think it's probably, I'd say, the worst in the series. Oh, wow. So Gene just said that he thinks that Code Veronica was the worst in the series. And I think me, you, and uh, both, yeah, me and both Johns, do we kind of agree that Code Veronica wasn't really as good as the first three? I concur wholeheartedly. Uh, I guess I'd agree with that, but, you know, I still like the game. I don't, I don't hate it. Well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, we didn't like it or nothing, but just saying that some of it was a, a step back from the old games, like compared some of the elements from Rari 3 and 2 and Code Veronica, how like you couldn't go up in stairs and all that and the gore was toned down and everything. And uh, what I was getting at is I have to wonder if, uh, what do you guys think? Do you think that if Code Veronica had been a much more higher quality game and a better game that maybe Resident Evil 4 wouldn't have had to take such a drastic uh, change for the series? I, That's I don't, an interesting question. I don't think so. I mean, it was introduced on the Dreamcast and, you know, people people introduced, you know, it was one of the few games on Dreamcast that everybody raved about, you know, got very high review scores and everything. So I think the fact that it was a new console and, like, everybody was amazed, ooh, look at these, you know, look at these graphics, these great graphics. It was sort of looked at with uh, rose, rose-tinted rose glasses, I think, at the time. Because, you know, everything, at the time, everything looked so great. I mean, if you look at the jump between PS1 and Dreamcast, you know, it's like miles I th- I I'd question that. I don't, I don't I don't think so. Was it commercially successful? I think it was. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's so. I mean, there's no reason for the sort of that doesn't give Capcom the feedback that the series is stagnating. Cause they did they, 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 they went on to do a remake in Ori Zero, which had the same kind of you know controls before Ori Four. I will mention something that Code Veronica tried to do which the other games sort of haven't. There's this theme, which is quite obvious, where, you know, Chris and Claire, it's a family thing, and Steve's father's a... He tries to sell Umbrella Secrets, and his mother, and they're taken to the prison. And so and he doesn't tr- place trust in people. Mm-hmm. He'd, he'd rather be a lone wolf, whereas Chris and Claire have this solidarity. And so they there's sort of a message there. But the thing I... That's... The thing I sort of take out of that is that Alexia and Alfred undermine that message because they're family. But as John said before, Alexia despises Alexander and Alfred. And so that sort of undermines the message that Chris and Claire exemplify with family and solidarity. And mm. it, it, it tries to be make this statement. I'm not sure why, but it does, which other games didn't in the series. And yet it, it undermines itself at the same time. What happens when Capcom try to grow a brain? I don't think any other game they've tried it. So that'll probably do it for the Code Veronica discussion. Before we get off it, though, I think we missed an opportunity on the last podcast to just sort of give our general thoughts on the on the, on the game as a whole after we've discussed it. Um, Gene, let's go ahead with you. Um, I think it's the worst in the series. I I don't know if anyone's tried to unlock the rocket launcher, but that's really really tough. You can't save the game. You can't retry if you die. So you can have the one save at the disc swap. So, and that's sort of when I try to do, it's too long to, I find, I find it's too long to do speed runs of to make, you know, to have some, that's how I enjoy playing the games. So I don't really get much enjoyment out of it. And I, the last time I played it before playing through for this was about two years ago to unlock the rocket launcher. But before that, when it came out and then, that's it. I, I don't. It's not one of the games I revisit for enjoyment. Yeah, me neither. Um, how about you, Chris? Um, 
Well, like I said before, it wasn't as bad this time as it was like the first time I experienced it. If I had to give it a grade, I'd give it maybe a a C or a C plus. Gotcha. Okay. How about you, John? Uh, I would have to describe it as average. You know, not good, but not bad. Average. That's that's about what the game is to me. Gotcha. Um, for me, I think the additional because I play the games mainly for the story and the additional backstory that you get with the files and everything on Umbrella. I thought they were worthy additions to the series. I just wish that sort of the the, the scenario was thought out a bit more, so it was, there wasn't as much backtracking. And I keep we keep referencing that, but I think that's the biggest fault of the game. So, I mean, ultimately, if I, if I had to give it a score, I'd probably say around the 7.0 range, maybe 7.5. I wouldn't want to score too low, but you know, it it passes, but just barely. All right, so now we're down to the news segment here. We had a, I know we said last week we had a slew of news, but it seems like this week we have even more. So I'll just get right into it. Uh, we're going from the uh, order this time, so the date that we posted the news and and all that good stuff. So uh, the first one here is, uh, this one's from Nemesis556. Official PlayStation Magazine Australia had a preview for Resident Evil 5. Some of the highlights are uh, deserted train yard areas confirmed in the game. The sun is blocked dynamically by carriages and cargo containers. I think this was probably the one we seen in the Japanese trailer that was on the PSN that I put up. You got, I think I have seen this, yeah. Yeah, you got like a brief glimpse of the uh, cargo area. It seemed like it might be near that large bridge area. Jin Takeuchi explains the Gears control system. He says uh, the decision to introduce the new control, the control scheme is something we took fairly late into development of Resident Evil 5. The main reason we decided to put it in the game was actually due to the Resident Evil movies. There are a lot of people out there now that know about the game and might want to play it, so the old controls might be a bit difficult for them. I, I, I don't know. I, I guess I can see that, since I've seen a lot of posts on like NeoGAF and places like that where people are rejoicing over the control changes, but I think for veterans it's no big deal. I think, I think the Gears control system is getting a bit dated now. You know, when it first came out for Gears of War, it was it was amazing, it was good, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, we had other things like Uncharted, Drake's Fortune, and other you know, Dark Sector. Uh, but it's, I think it's getting a bit old already now for me. All, all they've really uh, added was strafing, am I am I wrong? It's strafing well, and, I, you know... I suspect it's Gears only in name. If you think about Gears of War, the game, just yeah. how it flows. It's, so you take cover, your enemies take cover, you have a shootout. Then you go along until the next set battle where, you know, it's very stop-start. It's quite smooth, but yeah. it does stop and start noticeably. Resident Evil 4 especially, it's I think it's much more smooth on the run. So I think Gears is probably naming for the inspiration. I don't think there'll be a cover system because no. your enemies don't use ranged weapons either. Well, they do crossbows. have the crossbows we've seen. The flaming crossbows of Doom. So. <laughs> yes, they're back. So getting back onto it here, it says... Uh, it is mentioned that your gun can jam, although it's unclear if this means it's through the course of the game or just during the chase sequence on the Hummer. Uh, I'd hate for it to be uh, in the game. I mean, that might be... I think it would be akin to... I think people, people sort of backlashed at Super Smash Brothers, whatever the heck the new one was, where, like, you could occasionally trip, you know, like, as you're running. <laughs> so Really? Yeah, well, that's what I heard. You know, I'm not, I don't play the game myself. You know, I'm not a fan, but... Uh, is it, is, if it improves gameplay, that's fine. If it detracts from it, it's no good. Yeah. 
Okay, uh, and if there's no if there's no fun reason to have it there, well, it shouldn't be there. So, hmm. uh, Excella Gione is descended from the founders of Tricell. She has been able to work her way up the corporate ladder of Tricell because of some weapons she made using the virus information that Wesker has passed on to her. She is using her position within Tricell to assist Wesker with his quote-unquote plans. So, I think the trailer pretty much confirmed that they were in cahoots together. Uh, does kind of make me wonder why she still needs to come on to Wesker during it. Maybe he's considering so he, getting rid of her. Corporate <laughs> slut, that's what she is. Maybe. <laughs> am I the only one who sort of thinks she's going to try and backstab him? Oh, God. She's slimy to the bone. Uh, definitely. I'm going to call this but right now. But to backstab Wesker, that's a bit of a ballsy move, isn't it? Oh, come on. She's got the uh, you know mystery woman here. She's backflips and dodging bullets. She probably thinks she can take him on, you know? She's got the ballistics, too. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the I'm in the missile chamber that you say. The president has equipped his daughter with ballistics. But enough of my terrible Latino accent. Uh, let's go to the next. I have I... no idea what that was about, but... Oh, you're in for a treat then, because when we play RE4, you're going to play it, and I want to hear your thoughts. Oh, yeah, Lee Lewis says it, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I tried to forget that game exists. <laughs> okay, let's, let's go on to the next... Uh, news bit here. Uh, Biohazard France has an in-depth look at Resident Evil 5 demo. Um, the circumstances behind this are kind of interesting. Uh, I don't know if they want the public, but so I'll, I'll hold my tongue a bit, but suffice to say that Hunk and uh, Sly, two members of Biohazard France, uh, you probably know Hunk better known as uh, Les Collectionneurs. Uh, I butchered that, I'm sure. But, um, yeah. He... <laughs> he, uh, he and Sly got to go to a media a media outlet, and they uh, managed to play the game for several hours, captured lots of footage, screenshots. The interesting thing is there's lots of screenshots of areas like you wouldn't really see in a mainstream magazine coverage. You know, the shots are of, like, stuff that people who sort of obsess over, like, beta, beta textures and everything like that, beta enemies and such, you know. So there's lots of shots of uh, drawers being opened and finding... Uh, you know, handgun ammo and everything, but it's it's a really good read here. Uh, and one interesting thing that Hunk mentioned on the Bioflames message boards was that the uh, the PS3 version of Resident Evil 5 was further along in development than the Xbox 360 version. Uh, he said that the 360 version had multiple bugs and lacked FMVs, so that's the reason why they they went with the uh, PS3 version to preview it there. I think it's really good. There's more transparency nowadays that more people can come in and try the demos and sort of Capcom realizes it's good to get the brand name out there and good coverage for whether it comes from a fan site or a gaming magazine. Yeah, it's really fantastic. I'm I'm really shocked that they got the uh, chance to do this and everything. So it kind of gives hope that maybe in the future we maybe could petition for this once we actually have a site rather than a glor well, glorified news page. But it, it is fantastic that they're, they're sort of opening their doors more yeah, to, to this kind of thing. Okay, um, so uh, 1UP had the exclusive reveal of the Tokyo Game Show trailer, but I don't want to get into that yet. We'll be discussing that a bit more at the end of the news segment here. Uh, the next uh, next one here is 1UP uh, released a Behind Closed Doors trailer, which shows the more of the Mystery Woman, and uh, it kind of reveals maybe the fate of Jill Valentine. I don't want to get into spoiler territory that, because I know... We'll discuss it later, won't we, in the... Yeah, exactly. Um, 
So moving on, uh, the official Resident Evil 5 site has been updated. Uh, many new things are up there, including screenshots, wallpapers, uh, but be aware that it's very browser-intensive. It's Flash, and it, even on my machine, it kind of chugs, so you'll be aware of that. Uh, the Biohazard Wii Edition remake has a wallpaper up on the official site. Whoop-de-doo. Uh, uh, can, I, can I just cut in there? Yeah, go ahead. In in Osaka yesterday, I saw some dummy boxes for the Wii Edition remake. Ah. And also, um, in the... the uh, Production notes for Degeneration. There's an ad for the remake as well. Ah, okay. So they're starting to roll out the publicity machine early. Pretty cool. Um, okay, so uh, Degeneration has a release date of December 30th on Blu-ray in the states. It's day and date with the DVD. Extras will include an interview with Leon, I believe the voice actor. I hope to God it's not a stupid mock interview. Um, voice bloopers, character profiles, an RE an RE5 trailer, which Maybe we can get on, at the end of news. I'll have Gene talk about that. It might be the one that Gene saw at the end of Degeneration yeah, Cinema. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that in a yes. moment. Um, we'll get to that later, obviously. And the final extra would be uh, Degeneration Trailer Collection. The pricing for the Blu-ray is thirty-nine ninety-five. So standard fare. I'm, I'm curious. Uh, is there any chance of a European release? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's being released in Europe. I don't know the date. You might want to check the Horrors Live homepage. I figured that I'd, uh, you know, uh, pitch that one forward. Yeah, we probably should be a little bit more worldwide in our... Um, yeah, it's... Europe doesn't exist. It's still TBA, as far as I know, so we don't know. Ah, uh, we'll get it in two years, then. <laughs> okay, uh, moving on. Uh, 22 new screenshots were released. Some show Wesker. Some pretty high-quality stuff there. You might want to check it out. Maybe you could maybe you could make it for your fat girl, Sigs, you know? It's just good material here. But uh, moving on from that, Resident Evil 5, Resident Evil 5 now has co-op offline play with two local players playing the game in split screen. Uh, really happy to see that because I know like several people, including AJ on our boards, don't have an internet connection that's fast enough to support live Xbox Live or PSN, what have you. So it's really good to see that he'll be able to play through with Sheva, uh, with an actual human-controlled person. Uh, new trailer for Degeneration shows a lot more plot and scenes in the game. Also, plenty of virus scrubbing, as Leon would say. Uh, Resident Evil 5 was featured on the latest issue of Sony's Core. It's a interactive DVD, or not, well, not not even a DVD, an interactive, uh, jeez, what the hell would you even call it? A flash application, whatever. Basically has, uh... Oh, terrible. It's got that stupid, inane woman who doesn't know, you know, clucking like a hen, you know, doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. She makes the most asinine comments. Like, she was talking about RE5. There was an RE5 one. Mm -hmm. And the guy was like, oh, you uh, you shoot this guy in the head or whatever. And uh, it, reveals, you know, it, it reveals his neck stump. And she turned around and said in the most ridiculous manner, it's like, wow, neck stump. That's a word you don't hear every day. No, it isn't, you stupid bitch. Now put a male <laughs> presenter on there. Oh, I'll watch it. I'll pay for it. Oh, you're so jaded, John. Uh, but both parts, <laughs> both parts of the core are available on YouTube for people who don't own PS3s. Uh, might be removed by now because copyright infringement and such. But you missed your chance. Anyway, uh, next one up is Wires Chris Kohler reviewed Degeneration, saying the whole thing's just bizarre. Degeneration is just Final Fantasy VII Advent Children of the franchise. 
Nice. A movie that diehard fans will likely defend, but general audiences will not get at all. He gives it a 3 out of 10. Not entirely unexpected, I think. Um, bit scathing. <laughs> yeah, kind of is. I think maybe a bit jaded, even, Mr. Kohler. But, uh, you know, we're fans of the series, so naturally we'll probably like it a bit more than him. Um, next up, uh, Resident Evil 5 will get its own PlayStation home location where players may be able to transform their character into Chris Redfield attire. Uh, That's a great idea. There's because a... I could just picture thousands of avatars on home, all, you know, thousands of Chris Redfields <laughs> moving around this square. With tree trunk arms no, bumping into each other. There's no tree trunk arms. He looks so odd. You know, he he's got. Oh no! He's just the male avatar, and he's got normal looking arms, and his in his Chris Redfield attire it looks. Oh, so that's not Chris Redfield. No, that's his pre-steroid days. Hmm. There was actually a quick clip of it. I think it was on. Oh, GameTrailers.com. Okay, that too. Okay, moving not that on. I ever go to such a site, but. Moving on from that, Game Informer also reviewed Degeneration, giving it a more favorable favorable review than Kohler, though they didn't give any score. Um, some of the things they mentioned that uh, Kamiya, the director of the movie, explained their decision to make it a CG movie is because it allows them to be to have more creative control over the movie content. Uh, another reason was due to the budget for making a movie in Japan. I guess too high for uh, Capcom. Um, Biohaste. This one's a good one here. Bioway's staff member, Code Veronica X Freak, managed to fly to Tokyo Game Show this year. He got, actually got to play Resident Evil 5. Um, he has a detailed write-up for fan, from a fan's perspective, so you know definitely want to check that out. Uh, also on the site is uh, some footage of a making of. I haven't seen this anywhere else, so it's I'm assuming it's the a clip off of the making of DVD that they're including with the limited edition or what have you. Uh, it's in English, but it also has Japanese subtitles. Kind of hard to hear at times, but you probably want to check that out because it shows some really nice behind-the-scenes stuff like the uh, character actors and all that. Uh, Capcom is getting its own PSN storefront to consolidate all their games into one space. Hopefully, as some members theorize, this means we'll be getting you know, the PS1 games, hopefully. Unless you're in Europe. Yeah. And the mm -hmm. U.S., maybe. Because U.S., we haven't really gotten PS1 games. so But it's, it's good that they're doing this because it's kind of... It's kind of a pain to look up Resident Evil 5 to see if there's a new trailer up every it's, every other week. It's a good example to follow, and I hope that more games uh, developers and publishers jump on this bandwagon and yeah. they have their own storefront, Konami. Absolutely. I think it even, like, like, there's little characters around the edges of it, so it, overall it's kind of an interesting move. Uh, Capcom, the first one to be doing that, of course. Um, Bloody Disgusting have recently confirmed that not only will there be a fourth Resident Evil movie, but Paul W.S. Anderson will be returning turning to pen the story soon after he's done with his current project, which is a adaptation of The Long Good Friday. So oh, no. The last good film he did was Event Horizon, Are you which a... just about puts him above the water. Are you a bad enough dude to fight off 3,000 Alice's? Find out. I think his love of Alice is going to be like even tenfold, because hasn't she had his baby since Yeah, then? she has, so... Oh, God. You... Wait, did you say Alice or Atlas? Alice. I've no idea. Uh, Dead Space was released. This is, of course, an EA game and not a Capcom game, so why are we discussing it? Well, it's basically Resident Evil 4 in space. Uh, horror atmosphere looks really good. Uh, me and Chris, I think, me and you are going to pick it up on PC when it comes out on the 20th? Uh, yes. Okay, definitely. So we'll probably be talking about that next week a bit rather than a Resident Evil game because we're kind of... 
going through them a bit too quick for my tastes, but we'll, we'll slow that down a bit with other games. Um, Alright, so as before, we said that we discussed the trailers a little bit here. Uh, the first one I guess we'll go with is the... You know, the official one that was released, not the behind-closed-doors one with the uh, Jill's tombstone. So, the first one, what do you guys think? I thought pretty action-packed, yeah. in my opinion. She sort of introduced Wesker. Yes. I was pleasantly surprised. The the, the sound direction on it was really top-notch. I was just going to say about the sound. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, yeah. the uh, the music, musical score. It's It almost rivals Hans Zimmer in that kind of scope and epic. You know, it's... I, I, I'm a big fan of the music that they use in the trail. Really well put together, like in my opinion. Um, there was some kind of nods to perhaps Jill being in the game, since Wesker sort of raises his voice when he says, now that your partner has arrived. You know, it doesn't really seem like you'd be saying that about Sheva. But everyone well, thought it was Sheva until the next trailer Barry. came out. Yeah. Well, you, you don't know, because uh, at that time he may be... Uh... Chris may be confronting Wesker by himself, and then he knows about Sheva, and uh, Sheva finally comes in, because you you got to remember, in a couple of the uh, moments in the trailer, you see just Wesker just beating the heck on Chris. I mean, kind of implying that at some point, Sheva's not around. That's true, but the way he sort of changes his voice for partner seems to indicate that it's something a bit more, you know, than uh, what you're... Sorry. <laughs> oh, I think... I'd long I think you it. have to sort of you have to realize that it'll be a two-player game, so they're going to want to have Chris and Sheva at the same time as much as they can. Yeah, I think they said and, and, there won't be any segments where they're cut out for a long period of time. So and also and also where Chris says to Sheva, "You don't have to do this. Your your orders stop here." I people sort of read that as Sheva sacrificing herself or dying, whereas I thought it was Chris's vendetta to go and get Wesker. Yeah, absolutely. Her, her BSAA mission has stopped, yet she wants to help him do that. Yeah, that's what I picked it up as well. Um, and of course, there's the flowers in the trailer featured kind of prominently where Sheva and Chris both walk up to that cave-like scene that has the sunlight peering in, sort of giving the hint. And then you see the flowers later in the lab when Excella is on her laptop and Chris and Sheva pop in on her. But like seems like maybe that could be the source of the virus. I think Project Omega has a really extensive topic on this where he kind of broke it down and and uh, listed listed possibilities there. So that's a good read there. But yeah, like so, what do you guys think? Like T virus or progenitor virus? I guess I should say from the plants. Sound good? I think it's a good theory because when the camera focused on them, it wasn't just doing it as part of the background. Yeah. It was. It looked at them for a purpose, for a reason. They're an object of interest. And. And the question is, what are they for, and you know, progenitor? And if if you also notice, like Chris then bends down and reveals an umbrella logo that's been you know stained over with years of, you know, mold and dust and everything. But Gene, how about what, you? Because logo on, sorry. Uh, I'm not even sure. It looks. It could be a tomb. So like maybe uh, Edward Ashford. You know, who knows? Uh, but... I I didn't think it was a tomb when I saw it. No. Uh, well, I could no, be wrong. That, that's... But I was just going to say about the flowers, because I've got an actual background in genetics and things. Yes, I want to get your opinion on this, definitely. Sort of, it, What sort of stands out for me in the series is how the science is really wishy-washy, and with more progressive installments, it's become less close to reality. But the idea that a virus can transfer from a plant 
to a human, which isn't, it's not impossible. I'm sure there's examples of it in the natural world, but I think it's a very rare occurrence for that to happen. And also, didn't, doesn't Wesker mention in Wesker's report too that it's a strain of the Ebola virus? And uh, Ebola, as far, yeah. Ebola, as far as I know, it, well, doesn't infect plants. It's endemic to humans. So, Would it be possible that they would take certain genes from the, uh, from the plants and combine them with other things to form the progenitor then, or...? That's possible. I don't know. It's all speculation at this stage. Yeah. But, I mean, in the trailers, they are featured prominently. They're going to play a role, so... Yeah, definitely. I, I just... I, I, because of my background, I don't, I don't think it's a great idea. I mean, even if they had just, like, a little worm, maybe it's the worms or something, you know? I think it'd be better than a flower. Well, I mean, you know, the series has always sacrificed reality for showmanship. I mean, you know, people mutating within the span of, like, an hour or two... Or people bur- like Birkin, you know, bursting out instant mut- mutations and everything. It's not—it's never been really real- realistic, I think. So I—that's I, what—that's what hooked me into the original because it was so close to reality. Just yeah, you know, very few changes, and then progressively as it's gone on, it's got more ridiculous. Yeah, but I mean, it's fantasy, and I enjoy that too. John, what were you going to say? Uh, what I was going to mention was. In regards to flowers and the importance of these flowers, uh, if we were to say that the flowers were the basis for progenitor, at which point, you know, uh, Marcus, Ashford and Spencer would have discovered these flowers, it stands to reason that uh, Marcus's death and Ashford's death were not accidents or whatever, but rather the fact that, uh, you know, they, they, they were the only other people who knew about the flowers, the secret behind them. Yeah, that would... so that's why Spencer had them killed, so that he'll be the only one with the knowledge. Well, he even in Code Veronica, like we were saying earlier, like Alexia's diary mentions that you know she's worried that Spencer will take control over Umbrella once they lose prominence. You know, so it's I guess it's a pretty real thing that you know he could he well he had Marcus assassinated. You know, so well you could argue that was a cover story or something. I think mean, someone on the forums mentioned about how. Uh, you know, how Marcus was assassinated for the, the T-virus or something like that. You could argue that was a cover story. Well, right, yeah, because, you know, uh, Marcus, like, you know, Birkin took over his research and, and you know, changed prehistory where, you know, he would be the originator of the T-virus. So I think pretty much everything about Marcus was scrubbed besides the fact that he was the, you know, the training facility guy. So there's also... Uh, pretty large tentacle monster sea monster thing uh looks much better than del lago in my opinion who was kind of crap just a big tadpole with legs and <laughs> but uh the this one seems to have several extremely large tentacles and a very like uh almost regenerator like from uh, re4 the spikes and everything like the hard skin on it sort of seem like it that reminds me, it reminded me of salazar's boss fight boss get the salazar boss yeah definitely yeah that is i didn't put that together but now that he says it absolutely like even the way like it looks like its mouth opens sort of uh very similar to that but the fight looks very interesting in my opinion like from the trailer we've seen can i just make a yeah make a comment about the trailer go ahead i think it 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 does gear towards the action and it revealed wesker and i don't really as i said earlier in the code veronica discussion i'm not a huge fan of wesker's reanimation and reintroduction into the series Mm -hmm. but this was the first trailer that really differentiated biohazard 5 from biohazard 4 hd yeah it really showed new areas new story elements 
new enemies. Whereas the rest we'd seen, okay, it's a village, there's a chainsaw maniac coming after you. Absolutely. You know, it, and I enjoyed that about the trailer. That it, 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 it gave me something to look forward to in the game. Whereas, actually, I'll be honest, it was quite low on my radar because it's still very far off. Yeah. And Before this trailer, I wasn't really anticipating the game as much as I am now. And one very interesting thing that got me very excited was the fact that it appears we we see Spencer now in the trailer. Uh, you know, he's there in a very dark-looking castle, just in a in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. hooked up to a ventilation machine. But one thing that kind of you know dawned on me, he sort of looks like the uh, you know the fireworks guy. He sort of looks like him, like just an older version of him. So I'm wondering if maybe they're related and he's a descendant of uh, Spencer's. Or even if it is, we don't actually, we don't know it's Spencer yet, but it's heavily speculated since during uh, Wesker's line, you know, we last met at the Spencer estate. So what do you guys... I don't think he's saying that to Spencer. Well, who would he he be saying it to? Because Chris, he met at Code Veronica. Anyone but... Anyone but I don't know about that. They seem to have. Said, for, he wouldn't say to we to Spencer. We last met at the Spencer Estate. It's, well, why wouldn't he? That's where he did last meet. It's, it's, like, it's like saying, Hello, John, John, we, we last, last met at John's house. Well, I think he's. <laughs> I, I think it's all part of Wesker's persona. He's a smug bastard, so you know he knows he has Spencer here, so he's gonna he's gonna relish it. You know, we last met at the Spencer Estate. Yes. Yeah. Other people have noted that. The audio there and the vision aren't synced in the trailer. Oh, that happens a lot in there, especially like that. But that, but that line is from a different piece of footage. Yeah. So, but yeah, so. but the footage that's shown is like a very bright environment. It's not inside, uh, you know, the place where Spencer is. And even like when Spencer says, "All was lost from with Raccoon City," like it's it's Wesker talking at that time. His mouth's moving, but it's not syncing up. But it's not Wesker's voice. So. There's lots of cuts in the trailer like that to try to confuse you. So what do you guys think? Like Spencer's or Spencer in the game? Good. I think it's pretty awesome to be honest with you. Like we we built this character up for so long, and even in Umbrella Chronicles, you know, Wesker mentions that Spencer's now a fugitive in uh, his own world that he sought to rule. I yeah. think it's good. It it looks like it's taking the story forward, and I think that's a good thing. I think this means probably that. The, the the way that Takeuchi has been talking is says you know the the old stories will be concluded in this and you know they'll begin with something new again. I think that probably means Spencer's gonna die. And well, part of part of me is hoping. I know it's an outside chance, and I'm not saying it's because I you know I like the character, but part of me hopes that Spencer kills Wesker just because of the fact that it'll piss off so many fangirls. <laughs> oh, it, it would just be a joyous time, wouldn't it? I secretly long for it too, but I don't think that's going to happen because, as Jill's boo pointed out on the one trailer towards the end, is this the second trailer now that we've seen this? I think it was in the second. Okay, I guess yeah, we, I guess we can move on to that. Um, I don't think we have much to say on Wesker besides, you know, teleportation. Hmm. Yeah, but that's nothing. People, when that came out, people were like, "Oh, this is teleport. They shouldn't be able to do that," or whatever. Or they were saying, "Oh, it's cool," but. If you look at Ori 4, the boss fight uh, in separate ways between Ada and Sadler, Sadler had the exact same teleportation speed. You could, you know, when he, when he moved, oh, you could see like, right. dust behind him. He did. 
Mm. Uh, well, I think they can forgive that because, you know, Sadler was more of a throwaway boss. Like, he died. You know, Wesker's propped up as this as this main character, but he's just got these godlike powers. So it's like, where can he go it's from o- this? It's, o- it's only cool if Wesker does it. Exactly. But where, I mean, where can he go from this? He's like practically toying with Chris again. You know, he's in Cove Veronica, Chris had a chance because I, I, I checked it out and he wasn't actually moving super fast. It was just, you know, a slowed down scene and he had a, a bit of a trail behind him. So I guess you could assume he was moving a bit fast, but nothing beyond the realm of, you know, plausibility. But like in this. Is that in the final fight? Yeah. Yeah. In the final fight. And also, uh, I believe he jumps over the fence uh when he kicks claire around uh um, when he um when he when he fights alexia in code veronica x he he has that trail behind him yeah and also a lot of people forget in the freezer room fight with chris whiskers on one side of the room and chris at the other and he dashes over very quickly and then oh right into the wall. yeah yeah that's that's true so you, you do actually see his superpowers a bit more in code veronica than people remember gotcha okay um but I, I don't know. I guess good that he's in there, but you know, it's, I'm skeptical of him because he's sort of been built up as this godlike character, as he says in the, you know, the right to be a god is mine. Seems just kind of like where can where can we go from here? If he's the main villain, what are we just going to be taking out his bases and then he'll escape? So uh, Inspector Gadget. <laughs> you know. uh, I think it was Jill's boob who who. Um... Uh, compared Wesker to like you know uh, uh, Doctor Claw from Inspector Gadget. <laughs> I'll get you next time, Doctor Gad, Doctor Claw, whatever you know. And oh, I don't know. It's great, but um, the... see, Wh- Wesker for the most for the past few things, he's just been collecting his viruses, collecting his data, and doing nothing with it. And I, I really hope to see him actually do something with it now. Well, it seems like but again, he he's been giving his Excella, be- so. He's also become this really strong villain, and sort of he—he's again—he's got nowhere to go. Yeah, exactly. Look down. <laughs> well, that's right. But there's also a scene that shows you know Wesker kicking Chris's ass, mopping the floor with him in several locations. I think one was an airplane hangar, the one was in the back of an airplane, and the other one was in oh where was it? A tricell facility. The table on the table and the, the table, table. yeah, the table. So you appear to fight him several times during the game. So I'd imagine he'd play a prominent role. Probably the main villain. Here's, villain. here's, here's what we got to think about Wesker. His greatest strength is also his greatest weakness: the virus within him. It gives him strength, but it's also it's a virus. You know, it's 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 a derivative of the T virus or whatever you know, which has a lot of side effects. So that could be his greatest weakness that Chris will have to exploit. Well, to this day, he hasn't shown one, so we, I guess we'll the only see. side effect, the only side effect is his eyes are now cat's eyes. But yeah. That's all. But uh, I guess we'll go into the second trailer now, which shows the grave of Jill Valentine. So, I think several members on the boards, like Jill, Jill's boo, was kind of upset, but I think the one who took it the hardest was Jill Lover. <laughs> I think we all kind of maybe secretly relished in that. <laughs> I've, I've made it a point that for every single inane topic that someone makes about, oh, Jill Bolton, oh, she's dead, oh, she's alive, she's the bird woman, every single stupid topic I come across on The Horrors Alive, I would deliberately try to, to derail with Robocop quotations and overages <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I would derail the topic. 
Oh. See, this... and, and I encourage this... other people to do the same. No, no, we, don't, we can't have that. The thing is, before this trailer, there was no solid evidence to suggest that Jill was going to be in this game. Yeah. And there was speculation, maybe she's the girl in the, the tube, maybe she's the girl, you know, uh, the, the bird woman as she's become known. Yeah. And yet, and then I just sort of dismissed it all, well, where's your evidence, you know? I might as well say it's a Martian, because there's just as much evidence for that as there is for Jill. <laughs> and then we see this trailer, and now that's given credence to these theories. Died in 2006, Which... I believe, it said. Now, when is Biohazard 5 set? Oh, like present day, I believe, like 2008, yeah. Yeah, so she couldn't have died on this mission. No. And in fact, it says she she was a member of BSAA, and yeah, the Russian thing took place 2003, so... Now, I understand that in Umbrella Chronicles, it's not BSAA they're with. Yeah, oh, uh, it's unnamed, so I assume they didn't have a name for the organization yet, so they just... not, Not the characters, but just Capcom, they didn't have a name for it. And so now they've put, they've sort of retconned that Jill was with that organization. Yeah, exactly. Okay. But I mean, uh, I obviously she's probably not dead, because you know why would they show that after the very end credits? It's sort of just a, it's something to drum up hype, something that the Capcom knows how to do rather well in their trailers. It's got people talking yeah. and tongues wagging. So yeah. I mean, I have no doubt that Jill's probably. One of these people that have been shown. I don't know if the tube girl and the mystery woman are the same, but I think uh, was it Jill Lover who posted those pictures? It looked rather convincing when tube woman opened her eyes, and you know you could see the eyes sort of look like Jill. You know, you know, fair play that 3D models change over time, but still, it it looked the, the resemblance was uncanny. You could really see that. So, I mean, I have no doubt she'll be in the game. Who she is, though, is up to question. You know. Yeah, she probably will be. Think one... But one thing I did say... What? No, go ahead. Oh, but one thing I, I mentioned a while back in one of the earlier podcasts was uh, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't be unhappy that if she's dead, for real. I don't... Because I think, I think the series needs to have some kind of drama and uh, sacrifices like that. I mean, everybody talks about how, oh, she's one of the main characters, she starts it all and everything, but... But you're going through all these games, and you just—if you're going to look at it like that—you're just going to know that nobody's ever going to die. Yeah. And I, I don't really like that for a game that's supposed to be kind of, uh, you know, horror and and drama and all that kind of stuff. So I mean, as long as they—if she is dead, as long as they kind of, you know, don't just say, "Oh, she died," yeah. and and actually give a good backstory to it, I I wouldn't be too unhappy about it. Honestly, I don't think they're going to do it because it the fan outcry and everything. You know, this she's a valuable character they can use her again in the series but I don't know if she's because it's there's one point in the trailer where it shows Chris going to a tube and his face looks sort of horrified you know like he he knows the person in the tube or whatever and yeah. uh, I'd speculate maybe this is probably a long shot but you know they did clone Sergei correct mm-hmm. so I'd, I'd put forth the theory that perhaps tube woman is Jill being stored in that some location and she's being cloned and made into Bird woman's. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> it's, it's such Can a I crazy say, idea. But yeah, go they ahead. They borrowed from the films before, though, haven't they? With the Red Queen, yeah. so it's not outside the realms of possibility. Go ahead, Gene. Can I say that um, if they're going to off Jill, I think yeah, sure, go for it. But I'd like to see it in game and explained yeah. rather than just written into the backstory. I don't want another Umbrella's downfall to be perpetrated upon the community again. You know. 
I haven't I yeah. haven't played Umbrella Chronicles. But actually, I, interestingly, I will say, the first Umbrella Chronicles trainer, trailer I saw with Sergei and Wesker with their pistols drawn, mm-hmm. I knew as soon as I saw that shot, Sergei's going to die. <laughs> of course. You can't go up against and, Wesker. What are you? But, I mean, but you, you can infer things like that. And I think if all the characters are immortal, say you see, you know, Chris and Birdwoman, you know probably Birdwoman's going to die. And well, so... Unless there is some sort of grave consequences exemplified once in the series, you know, and if it means offing Jill, so be it. But that that sort of makes everything less predictable, and I think that's probably good to inject into the series. One of the things, like, that I noticed in the trailer was the second one, Bird Woman was, I hate calling her that, so stupid, Mystery Woman, was, uh, you know, dancing and flipping back and forth, evading Chris and Sheva's shots, so she obviously has some kind of enhancement, because, you know, you can't do that. No matter no. how good you are. I don't care if you're Bruce Lee. You can't do that. Leon can do it. Oh. <laughs> but there no, was, I'm just kidding. There was also another cool, uh, uh, interesting guy, I guess you could say, introduced. It was a bald man and uh, seemed to sprout leeches from his body. Sort of. Natural selection made the virus stronger. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So. But she, the mystery woman drops that leech at his foot and then it's... Well, overwhelms no, him. That's a different guy. That's that's a black guy there. So I'd assume. Uh, oh, I understand the guy. Yeah. The the theory I have for that is, you know how we have the BSAA soldiers, not Chris's team, but going in and saying, "Okay, location secure," and then they shut the doors behind them. Yep. I'd assume, based on their injuries, they seem to be either bullets or maybe leeches that attack them, because they sort of have these round, circular holes in their body, all bloodied. And if you remember back on Resident at ResidentEvil.com, uh, there was a like satellite view of soldiers shooting various uh, heat signatures, and then they go up against this very like globulous, undulating blob or whatever, sort of look like the uh, tentacles. So in my opinion, possibly the mystery woman infects that man, and then he he gets sicked onto the onto the BSAA team there, and I'd assume that. After you do this, you know, it's a one-time use thing, so, like, the leech man will die. But I think the white guy who has these leeches sprout from is probably a bit different because he seemed to have injuries that sort of show that he was, uh, you know, he's he's uh, he's transformed before, so there was lesions on his body and everything where, you know... Mm. And I'd wonder he if... He if, in control of it, didn't he? Yeah, I wonder if he's not, a, like, a researcher or, or a somebody, because, you know, why would he say natural selection makes the virus stronger? I assume he's probably one of the lead researchers there for a tricell or whatever. You know, he's maybe he, uh, either through accident or sort of an Alexia complex, he, you know, transformed himself to become uh, more powerful. But were they leeches bursting out of him or tentacles? I thought uh, they were just tentacles. Uh, they sort of look like leeches to me, because if... If you've ever seen the Biohazard 3.5 trailer, they really look like that. So I think they're probably reusing ideas from that. And in fact, one of the the Japanese trailer I was referencing earlier that had the crates in it, it even had a leech monster thing like that in it too. But it seemed like mm, it was maybe it was maybe a normal ganat or what the hell are they calling them now? I've forgotten. Evil spirits. I can't. Remember. I think they're evil spirits, but there's a, a yeah, Swahili word. Yeah, it's a Swahili word, but basically that. Yeah, it seems like just one of those guys in it. So you know, I'd put forth the theory that you can do this to those guys, but you know, after the first use, they die. And this guy's built up a tolerance or whatever to it, 
so that he can do it multiple times. But that's just my theories throwing it out there. Anything? I wonder what the identity of the man is. Yeah, really. Seems like an interesting character. Yeah, I, I like him already, and he's only said one line. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't watch it with sound, so... Oh, yeah, he just says natural selection makes the virus stronger. I see, right, so, well, maybe he's not so throwaway than not, I thought he was. Yeah, yeah. But, I don't know, did you guys pick up in the second trailer, I know Game Trailers has their own footage now of it, where the, uh, the sort of agent that has, like, the, uh, turban on and everything when he's talking to Shevin, Chris, he, he asked if they... They heard of, and I can't make out the word. Have you guys? It's, he says something, and then they say something about a doomsday project. Did any of you pick up on that? I remember that. I remember watching yeah, that. I saw that. And I, I saw that guy with the turban on his head, and I was like, oh, he's a nice guy. He's a friendly bloke. I hope he's with us throughout the game. And then five minutes later, we see his head on the block about to be decapitated. Yep. And it's like, okay, well, I guess he dies. Mm-hmm. But I, I couldn't really make it out what he said even in the game trailers because uh, it was you know it was off screen but it was much it's much better audio quality so I, if anybody wants to see it in better audio you can check that out at game trailers. Did it did it have a direct feed of that trailer yet? No, no direct feed. I'd assume that this was supposed to be a behind closed door only thing because the the environment that they're recording it in sort of you know shows that it probably was. I'd I'd imagine that this is going to get released eventually, but you know it wasn't meant for consumption yet by the public. And finally in the news segment, I know we had a, quite a long discussion already. This podcast is going to be quite long, but I think it's worth it. Um, Gene, when you attended the Degeneration screening, you said that there was a new Biohazard 5 trailer, so can you talk about that a bit? Yeah, after the main feature, they played a new Biohazard 5 trailer. There's, there's a few little interesting things in it. One of the earlier shots, it shows the blonde girl on the second floor balcony screaming, help me, help me. So I know a few people on the boards had thought that she'd been cut from the game, and I was sort of thinking that too. Yeah. But she she appears she's still in it. Oh, that's that's good to hear, you know. It's only a very short shot, though. Is she still, like, uh, bruised and everything? She, I think, yeah, her face is bloodied a bit, like bl- bleeding upper lip and nose. Gotcha. So it sounds as though she's been uh, abused a bit, beaten around. Yeah, maybe you were there with her, you misogynist. <laughs> <laughs> well, I to- if, I told her tw- if I told her twice, I told her a thousand times. I never listen. Okay, let's go to the next scene. Okay, the next shot is Chris and Sheva in sort of the village, the main square, I guess. And there's about two or three guys on bikes circling them. Did you see a helicopter in the background by chance at that point? I I didn't notice. Okay. But I I'd only previously seen the bikes in sort of the, the car scene where Chris and Sheva are manning the turrets. Yeah. And so they're actually on foot being circled by bikers. Um, a bit later, you see them in a small boat and then you can see some villagers in larger vessels and then Chris shouts, they're trying to sink us, so I guess they're trying to shoot down their small boat. So there's your second on-rails uh, shooter part there, Humvee and then yeah. the boat. I guess... Um, I don't know if it's before or after the fight with the sea monster. But in the trailer, the next quick cut is to the sea monster. And it's strange that John earlier said that it looks a lot like Salazar because there's a very, very quick cut, and I could be wrong, but it actually looks like it opens to reveal somebody or something inside. Ooh. It's, I only saw the trailer once, and it's very hard to make out. But Interesting. 
it looks you can sort of see in the earlier trailers where Chris is like shooting it's more I guess you'd call it and it's it, it looks like jaws are sliding against each other yeah yeah it's not it looks like it can open yeah I definitely think that's where its weak spot would be and if you know this is a strain of Plagas as they say you know it's not under the realm of it's not over the realm of possibility that it could be a person in there yeah, so it was a very quick cut the person? that's the question what's that but who might the person be I couldn't even even theorize about it you know I don't know. The only thing I can think, maybe the girl in the red dress, because she's introduced, reintroduced in this trailer. Yeah, but... Uh, and it, it's a tenuous link, I know, but... I, I don't think she... It's Sherry. I, I think we can all say now it's probably Sherry that's the woman yeah. in the red dress, but yeah. I think she's more I don't more think they'd a, waste her turning into a sea monster. No, I don't either. But go ahead. Um, then the rest of the trailer is sort of a few shots of Wesker... And I think, actually, Whisker, he's not in action. He's just sort of standing around talking. Maybe only five seconds. But he says something like, pit bull or pit dog or something. Hmm? That, you know, he's going to drop you in a pit or something. Oh. And then then the last shot you see is um, Chris and Sheva with that big sort of pig, bat, flying creature. Oh, gotcha. So I don't know if Whisker sends them there. The trailer implies that he does. Gotcha. Oh, the pit, the mining pit. Yeah, that's where that fight does happen. So that would make. That's... Is, it, is it in a pit? I don't know. Yeah, it's like a mining pit. Like where, if you've seen in the one trailer on the PS3, uh, the the uh, the truck crashes and you can see down there. Yeah, it's like a strip mining pit. So yeah. Okay. I think I'm quite certain Wesker says pit. I thought he might have said pit bull or pit dog or something. Ah, well, that's kind of interesting now. That you know, maybe he's maybe Wesker is the main villain of this. Then if he's sending that out to you. And that's that's about all for the trailer. It was only about 30, 45 seconds long. Mm. It was re- it was all new, but it was really quite short. Okay, so uh, we'll we'll take a quick break here, and uh, we'll be back with the degeneration segment. D. 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 So now's the segment you've all been waiting for, the degeneration part, where we'll have Gene uh, first talk about the movie as a whole, but he won't he won't go into spoiler territory just yet. We'll give you guys a warning before that, so if you don't want to have the movie spoiled for you completely and utterly, uh, you'll want to switch the podcast off after that point. But um yeah, so I guess Gene, take it away with you. Your your thoughts, non spoiler thoughts on the on the movie. Okay, I'll just preface this by saying that it's an action film. Anybody who goes watch or not goes watching, who purchases the film intending for it to, you know, have sort of edge on your seat, suspense and horror will be really disappointed. It is an action film. So it, it there's there's no horror to it, there's zombies. But they're mostly cannon fodder. Um, the criticisms in the other review I read, they're, the lip-syncing in the film is quite poor. It's very noticeably bad in some parts. And another criticism I bring to it is that Leon is very stoic throughout the whole film. He's, And I don't know if that's in his characterization or... 
I'm not sure, but he doesn't come across as well as the other characters. Doesn't have a character. I had noticed that in the trailers that he seemed rather stoic, but I, I, I was hoping that was just because you know the certain scene. But that's a bit disappointing here. But continue on. No, he, he, he's very wooden, very cardboard cutout, paper thin, yeah, very shallow personality. And I think even in Resident Evil Four, he sort of, I think he was okay. I didn't mind his personality. Yeah, in that. he seemed to joke around but, a bit. Mm, but in number four, in Degeneration, he's dead set serious, sort of, let's get the job done. So what, what were your general thoughts on it, I guess, as a, as a fan of the series? As a fan of the series, actually, I, because of the bent that the series has taken towards action, I was I didn't have a high expectation of the film. And I wouldn't say it's as bad as a 3 out of 10, but it was it was enjoyable. It was watchable, passable. I will say it's more enjoyable than any of Anderson's outings, oh. simply because the relevance that this has that that inter- that instantly gets me interested. The fact that Anderson has these um, this separate universe and characters I don't care about, and then that's bastardization. And then I look at them as a, an independent film rather than part of this massive story universe franchise, and they're they're shit films. I'm sorry, that's my opinion. <laughs> They don't. They don't. They don't stand on their own two legs. They fall, fucking terribly. They're crap, and so degeneration because it is linked to this law that I, I sort of, I could not relate to it more, but I had more interest going into it. Gotcha. If that makes any sense. Yeah. So, um, I guess if you'd have to place a review score on it, you know, out of a ten-point scale, what do you mm. think? Ten would be the best movie ever, which is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> this would get five to six. Ooh, so not so good. Uh, even as a fan of the series, I mean, you know, rather poor. Oh, but as I said, my expe- my expectations are very low, and it wasn't great. How- Some people will enjoy it and say it's a ten out of ten. Some will say it's rubbish and give it a one. So, how about the story? Were there many connections to the previous to the to the games or? You know? uh, this is where we get into spoiler territory. Okay, yeah. So I guess um, we'll give the warning now here. Gene's going to probably run through the entire movie uh, line by line, and then we'll ask him questions and also pose questions that the community had against him if they are still relevant after the uh, discussion here. So pay attention, and uh, if you were joining it just to hear the uh, intro and what Gene thought about it, you know, okay, you can bugger off then, as John might say. So we I'd say that. And. Uh, <laughs> So we can uh, go ahead and get into the spoiler discussion here. So, Gene, take it away. Okay, I'll, I'll say that the the film sets itself up in the very beginning. You see, um, it's sort of, I guess, yeah, while the opening credits are rolling, you see news reports and things like that of Umbrella going under. Oh, anything about Raccoon so City it, in particular? Like, uh, Yes, but I'll get to that one okay. second. So it follows Resident very similar to RE4, but it's told with news reports. So reporters saying, Umbrella stocks fell, you know, 35% today and things like that. Gotcha. Which is sort of cool, ground-level stuff. And any then there's actually... Of, uh, uh, any mention of Spencer in this? Or? No, not throughout the entire film. Ooh, disappointing there. And so, and so it's told through news reports. There's actually a shot of a conference with the president, President Graham. <laughs> really? That's interesting. <laughs> So we get to see him. He's not he's not named, but of course Ashley's father. Yeah. But he refuses to answer any questions about the matter. So you, you kind of get the idea that the government's implicit in all of this. Mm. In the in the opening, as well as that, while that's going on, 
there's parts about TerraSave, which is the NGO that Claire's affiliated with. What's this now? As w- TerraSave. I what's this? I I NGO. I've been uh, like ignoring everything. So you want to explain that to oh, me? Okay. Let's... Okay. So um, T E R R Save. I guess T R R T E R R A S A V E. So I guess Terra meaning Earth. So it's an environmental group, basically. Oh, okay. And Claire's a member of this. So Claire's affiliated with them, yes. Oh. And the uh, the little girl that she that she's with. Yeah. The, the reason she's with her is because of Claire's involvement. Hmm. But it introduces this new faction, as well as Will Farm, which is a pharmaceutical company. Hmm. Okay, so there's actually another company going on here. Okay. S, I wonder. Could be. S. So we got we we got H. HCF. No, sorry. HCF. Yes. HCF. Will Farm. Tricell Umbrella. Huh. Okay. And S. All on the back burner. Well, he said S in the beginning. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so this um, as I said, the film really sets itself up in the beginning. So you you sort of, it's sort of a bit separate from the main story. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, there's T virus outbreaks in India, but they're very small scale. Maybe a few infected, is, uh, a handful of people. Now, is the BSAA involved in this movie at all? Or do they no, they're not, no, they're not mentioned. Okay. But but TerraSave want the truth to come out about these the T-virus in India. And so Claire arrives at the airport, at Harvardville Airport, not Herbertville, which was a mistranslation, mm. at Harvardville Airport with a, this Indian orphan girl whose name is Rani. And so... She, she's at the airport. At the same time, Senator Ron Davis is at the airport. Now, he's a Will Farm backer. And outside the airport, there are protesters. And so the senator wants to get out, but there's people protesting his presence. Gotcha. And they think, they think this senator is implicit in the cover-up in India. Yeah. Anyway... The Will Farm is behind these these small scale outbreaks in India. Nothing like Raccoon City, only handfuls of people. Now, how do we and how, again, do, how do we know that they are behind that though? Like, is, is it explained that it was an accident or what? Are they studying the virus or? It actually comes a bit later in a small twist. Oh, okay. I, sh- I probably should reveal now. Oh no, I'll save that. Yeah, save it. Please. But anyway, okay. So, okay. At the same time, now this guy Curtis Miller, who's the shady looking guy. Uh huh. The scraggly looking guy. Yeah. Yeah, he he's he releases the T virus into the airport. Well, I can't say that wasn't uh, unexpected. <laughs> but but it doesn't actually come from the plane that crashes. Oh. So there's actually two incidents of the T virus. The plane crashes and zombies pour out. But also, Curtis has put he's infected some people in the airport as well. Now do they show no, Curtis? Do they show how he did this? No, no. I assume it's a cell, so... So, slightly before um, the zombies, Claire sees Curtis. Now, now Claire actually recognizes him because Curtis is part of um, TerraSave. Oh, okay. Okay. So, he's affiliated with TerraSave. Now, I think TerraSave is sort of peaceful in their operations, peaceful protests and things, but Curtis takes the terrorist bent, and so he releases T-Virus. Now, do they show how he does this, or, like, what is it? No. Inhalation? Okay. No, but he he's around the airport. Now, I'll say now, it's revealed later in the film, but I'll say it now, Curtis lost his wife and daughter in Raccoon City. Mm. 
And so he's just frustrated with the lack of, I guess, action that TerraSafe can get peacefully. He's resorted to terrorist tactics to but cause outbreaks, to just pressure is, the government for to show that they're implicit in everything. So this man is almost like, uh, you know, what Dario Rosso could have been if he had survived and <laughs> he was more passionate, I guess. No, I don't know about Dario. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I think it's, I think maybe it's probably then that the plane crashes and then zombies come out of there too. So that's the plane crash. I mean, you see in the trailer the stewardess and the sick guy. Yeah. And so, but and then so that's why the plane crashes and things. Anyway, Claire, the girl, the senator, and one other survivor are in a small room. And Leon's first on the scene, so he's the special agent. While larger forces assemble, so he's just sent in there first. Okay. To to quickly get survivors and things. Well, can't they? So, can't they get out themselves, the survivors, or are they just like overrun by zombies? It's not. It's not mentioned, but I guess at the, air, at the airport, there's no weaponry and things like that. I think oh, actually, okay. see yeah, Claire right. when she needs a weapon, she uses a red and white umbrella. <laughs> but um, and so Leon is sent in first. Now Le- Leon actually gets his orders from Hunnigan, who makes a cameo. Oh, in person or via codec thing? Just just via the um via the little hand screen thing. Ah. So he gets his orders relayed through her from higher up, I guess. And as he goes in, there's also the SRT team. I don't, I don't, I don't know why they're not like. I'm not sure why it's Leon and them, but Leon only takes two members in with him. Oh, okay. Pretty, pretty much the two standing closest to him. He says, "All right, you and you, let's go." Okay. He said he doesn't want casualties and he doesn't want people to the trauma and to face having to possibly shoot their friends and things like that. <laughs> anyway, so that they they go in and they have an encounter with some zombies, you know, it's, and then sort of one guy's in gun ho, yeah, da 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 da. And then, of course, he realizes you need to shoot them in the head and things like that. And they, they sort of realize, hey, Leon knows what he's talking about here. Yeah. And they eventually find their way back to Claire and the other survivors. And they, they quite soon after, they make it out of the airport. Oh, wow, really? So, yeah. So, actually, as they're crossing past the plane wreck, the senator, who's set up to be a really unlikable character, he uh, sort of dashes for the, the exit. And in doing so, he pushes the little girl down a slope near some zombies. And so Claire jumps down too, but she's unarmed. So Leon throws a gun to her, and then she gets a little action scene, sort of like the intro to Code Veronica. Now, where is this taking Leon, place? Like down an embankment, or this is, yeah, this is near the plane crash. So there's just rubble, and they have to climb over. Okay. So they're standing on top, shooting zombies, so they can get Leon's standing on top with the, the other, the woman, the Angela, the agent. The other guy died. Oh. <laughs> and um, <laughs> uh, yeah, whoops. And so they're clearing the path for them to run to the door, but prematurely the senator just dashes past, knocks the girl down the embankment into the zombies, and he makes it out the door. And so they shortly after will make it out. And that's really the end of the airport. That's surprising. I thought this whole thing took place at the airport. No, it's only the first third, which I I thought it was the airport as well. Oh, wow. Okay. And so continue, please. the The thing behind the T virus in India was that Will Farm were actually doing human trials on a vaccine. Mm. And so Will Farm had developed a T-virus vaccine. And most of the supply, which was two trucks, come to the airport to deliver the vaccine. And so Claire sort of realizes that her actions with TerraFirm have actually slowed down getting the vaccine to people. And oh, delay the development of the vaccine, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So her actions with this NGO, thinking she's doing good, um, is actually 
damaging you know people's lives and that there's this scene in there where claire's you know, really has this um Anyway, there's this scene there where Claire's sort of having, you know, real sort of personal issues, coming to grips with the fact that she's possibly destroyed lives and things, and she's she's acting, she acts great. She's really, really good in this. Yeah. And Leon sort of comes in to console her, and he just stands by the door, arms at his side, talking very, very bluntedly, barely moving his mouth like this. <laughs> and that's Leon, yeah, it's not convincing at all. It looks like he's been dropped in the scene. And if you watch the trailer where he says, I'm going to scrub this virus on the face of the earth, you see that his lips barely move. And that's that's again with the other criticisms. Uh, that, maybe a bit that rush then. The, the lip syncing is not very good. Yeah. But there's a few other scenes where, you know, Leon would be up consoling Claire or something like that. But he just stands by the door very, very static. So. And actually, that's the only mention of Chris as well. He, he says to Claire, you know, you, you're a protector. That's your role. It's not. It's just an alternative. I'm a fighter. Your brother's a fighter. We do, we do. It's not, it's not the wrong choice. It's just an alternate choice. Yeah. So, that, that's Leon really comes across as shallow there. But anyway, Claire's sort of outside now. And the two trucks of vaccine arrive. And then they're destroyed by Curtis, the terrorist. He's planted bombs and Jesus. they go up. So, <laughs> so, now all the vaccine's lost as well. Now, hang on one moment here. Um, a vaccine now is this is this this is for people you know you can't turn a somebody who's been completely zombified correct it's just the early stages or have they clarified that uh, well I think so because you see zombies they've got you know, intestines hanging out broken bones skin gone yeah so you're not going to revert that kind of stuff but um, a vaccine against people who haven't been infected anyway um so that the, the vaccine is destroyed anyway so that's sort of no. it's not called daylight or anything. Did they explain why Claire and her party wasn't infected? Because I'd assume it was airborne? No? Oh, they didn't get bitten, no. Yeah, it's... but but the initial infection, how did Curtis infect them then? Uh, it's 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 not seen, but... Oh. Uh, probably just injected the virus or something. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Well, I don't think it's too hard to believe that he could just inject them. Yeah. Even if he finds a dirty syringe in the gutter, you know, well, who cares if they get hepatitis? They're going to be a zombie in five minutes. Or the water? Ah, uh, who knows? No, ma- no matter how he does, he does, okay? so. Okay, yeah, we'll continue on. <laughs> okay, so, as I said, Will Farm actually developed this T-virus vaccine, and then these trucks are destroyed. So the terrorists make this demand that the truth, the truth be made known about the U.S. government's implicit involvement in Raccoon City before midnight, or there'll be more outbreaks around the United States. Mm. Is this made by Curtis himself or leaders of his? No, it's not. No, it's not. The, 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 uh, I, think, I think Leon gets informed and tells the group, or maybe some ah, just extra okay. comes in. But anyway, it's then that Claire identifies Curtis as a suspect. She said she saw him in the terminal acting really strange, because she knows him by name from TerraSave and things. And it also turns out that Curtis is Angela, the special response team girl. That's their brother and sister. Oh. Which, I, I think their names were public before, but I don't know if anyone made that link. Huh. So, yeah, Curtis Miller, Angela Miller. So they're brother and sister. Now, the Will Farm head researcher, who was in the airport at the same time too, he was, he was actually there to meet and greet the senator as he arrived in. Okay. So, Claire and... Claire and the head researcher, whose name is Frederick Downing. So Claire and Downing go off to Will Farm HQ. Andrew and Leon go to Curtis's place. 
to try and find Curtis. Yeah. And now, now Curtis has set fire to his place, which is what you see in the trailer, the farmhouse burning down. And Curtis is making his way to Will Farm HQ now. Now, while at Will Farm, Claire and the researcher, Claire sort of catches wind. Actually, the bloke shows her, and I don't really know why. It's like maybe he's this dumb supervillain, you know, oh, let me show you my plans. <laughs> and so he, 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 he says that Will Farm have a sample of the G-Virus, which no one in the company ever knows about except for him and a few others. Wait, why and is, that's in the, is he bad then now, or...? Eventually, yes, but not yet. She didn't pick up on that because he's part of Will Farm. I mean, no. Well, she she well she understands that Will Farm making a T virus vaccine. So she th- she's under the assumption that he's a, one of the good guys. Yeah, that's right. And so he he shows that they have a G virus sample. I don't know why. And anyway, the senator rings up and asks him to destroy the sample as soon as possible because of this outbreak outbreak and. The senator's perceived implications with the outbreak. Gotcha. And so the senator's actually an investor in Wolf Farm, and so he doesn't want to lose out on his investment and then the political implications and things. <sighs> what a bastard. <laughs> yeah, and so Claire, Claire catches wind that there's a G-virus sample, and she calls Leon to come. And so he, him and Angela are talking, just, you know, looking at the burned-out house. So Leon comes over, and then they're both at the facility... Is it not revealed that he's uh, a bad guy yet? He just says that they have a G-virus sample. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. So he just says it quite strangely out of the blue. Gotcha. And then so he he leaves. He leaves. Does it say where he goes or...? He said he's going to check out a computer server which seemingly isn't working. Oh, this is in the Will Farm building. This is in the Will Farm HQ. Okay. It's actually like a... The inside of the HQ is really strange. It's like... There's six areas, so a main central area, which is like a park with flowing rivers and gardens and sort of an indoor utopia thing. Mm-hmm. And so that's in the right in the center. And then there's five areas surrounding it, sort of radiating outwards in this big circle. Can you imagine that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's this um, massive central part. And then Curtis is seen on the monitor because he's come to HQ. Yeah. And then the, the central plot blows up, so Curtis has destroyed that. <laughs> and so the, there's the five areas of the facility left, which are radiated around, and they're, they're labeled 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, which are, they, and that indicates what sort of research goes on, with 4 being the most deadly, dangerous gotcha. viruses and bioweapons, and that's where the G virus is hidden. i got to say, okay. I'm kind of interested more now that this is not taking place just in a freaking airport mm. there's, there's a look as I said it's quite complicated there's a few twists and things in it anyway so the middle's blown out by Curtis and Claire's actually injured in the explosion when she comes around there's a big shard of glass sticking out of her leg Ooh. and so she can't run she has to just sort of shuffle and limp everywhere anyway it turns out so Curtis has injected himself with the G-Virus. Oh, good Lord. So he, and this is part of his final plan to show the government's implicitness, you know, that this, this horrible, horrible virus that they, they, they know about. And so he transforms and attacks a lot of commandos. And he's temporarily defeated by Leon. Only for a short time. He's a G-creation, of course, you know. How, really how did he uh, defeat him? 
he drops a bridge on his head. Oh, okay, that'll that'll do. There's a massive bridge, and um, Leon sort of gets a grenade launcher and blows out the struts, and it falls on him. And so, um, as I was going to say, that's actually the soundtrack is really good to the film. Is it rock or is it like you know classic Resident Evil brooding music or? But this scene where Curtis fights the commandos—that's that's where you get the the tacky hair metal sort of thing you see in that trailer. <laughs> that's the on, that's the only scene where that bad music is. But the rest is actually really good, and it's not reused from Biohazard Two, which the earlier trailer did. Now you said that I think Angela is Curtis's sister, correct? That's correct. Now, does she in the, is she in this? Like, did she come with Leon? Yeah, she's come with Leon. She's came with Leon. Now, is there any sort of like you know, oh no, don't, don't inject yourself? Like, do they? Does she try to stop no, him? No, it's, it's too late. He's injecting himself before. So he's she's actually seen. So she sees him transformed, or like, does she even tell that it's him? Yeah, she sees him transform. Oh, okay. I think, but yeah, they 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 interact, and so then the main area which has been bombed is set to be destroyed. So these sprinklers open up and sp- spray um, accelerant, that's what it's called. Uh, Not in the film, but, you know, something that'll catch fire yeah. to burn it. And so they've got, a you know, a bit of time to um, escape. So who did this, and, uh, the Will Farm uh, executive? This is sort of, no, this is sort of automated. Oh, okay. Because it, it's detected the, the, um, the viral outbreak. Oh, gotcha. And so... So this is going to be incinerated, and then you see, um, ultimately, Leon and Angela dive into some water, and then the explosion sort of goes, up, you know, goes on above them. Yeah. And this is the scene where people aren't going to like, because Angela actually, her lungs sort of expel oxygen as she dives into the water, and Leon gives her mouth to mouth underwater <laughs> to give her. To give her oxygen, and it looks very, very much like a kiss. And people aren't going to, I don't think many, I think there's a few forum members who aren't going to like that too much. <laughs> but, again, well, that, that's just how it is, I guess. But anyway, so they get, they're sort of, they, they're underwater. Leon shoots out this glass, and the water drains around them, which I think you see in the trailer. And there's this massive pit in the center where, it's a huge pit, huge drop down, and these five sort of platforms arranged readily around it, so they're on top of the research areas. Okay. I don't, I don't know why you design a laboratory over a massive pit, but someone <laughs> thought, someone thought it'd be a bright idea. Anyway, because the the, the biohazard con- contaminant, which is Curtis, is still present, the areas are set to drop sequentially, so it goes four, three, two, one, zero. Okay. I was just saying, eventually the creature's defeated. Uh, how? Um, there are, there's a few things, like the pits drop, and there's you know, sequences where they have to run and jump just before it drops and things. But he... So it's just a fall? He's shot. Really? Yeah, it's just a straight fall. But he, he drops into... It, it, when he's ultimately defeated, he falls into this pit, and he dies. Okay. A massive drop. Wouldn't Just the physical forces would tear him apart as he hit the ground. Well, I don't know. William seems so, to take, you know. <laughs> but anyway, um, he does, that that gets rid of him, and so okay. there, there's an action sequence, and I'll let people watch that and enjoy it because I don't. It, it's there's a lot of action, especially this part. Yeah. And so eventually, they, eventually they defeat it, and sort of this 
makes you f now that the hazard's gone, the floor reforms. And so I guess the, the dropping of the lab research area is sort of to destroy the outbreaks as they occur. So wait, are, are they not destroyed, these uh, plates? About two or three. Two or three oh, facilities okay. drop. Gotcha. I guess there's still some standing, and then they then this this sort of, I guess the original floor is this huge metal thing because the grass and things has been blown up, mm. first by Curtis, then by the fire. So that comes back, and then they fall onto that. And then Claire, who's in the control room, she's made it up, just limping. She's in the control room. She discovers that Curtis has had the whole thing taping in the control room. Mm. So this is part of his expose. So he set that up deliberately, injected himself, deliberately transformed. Just sort of out of his frustration and his last-ditch effort to get media attention to expose the U.S. government. Yeah. Okay. Then they, they everyone gets out because you know there's no threat or anything. Everyone reunites on the surface. What about the executive now, now? We haven't. Well, he's yeah, he's presumed dead. Oh, okay, gotcha. And he actually he actually um, makes earlier to Claire he makes a call up to the office. And says he's seen a strange... Just before Curtis is really seen, he's seen a strange-looking man. He's going to follow him. Ah, so I guess everyone... Okay. And then the phone cuts out. So everyone assumes he's met with ill fate. Yeah. But outside the facility, they find a phone with the cord cut. So then they realize that he's cut that himself to disconnect the phone, <laughs> and then he's fled. And so he's actually... What's happened, he's actually caused all these outbreaks. Even the one, so he's caused the outbreak on the plane for it to crash, and a few others around India and things. Oh. Because he was he was selling the T virus in the black market. What would they? And so he's doing. But what would the te, what were they tests? No, well, as the the next line is as he he was using the outbreaks to sort of show off the T virus, a sales pitch as Leon puts Ah, it. okay. So rogue states and terrorist factions would catch wind and hear this and these were broadcast now, adver adverts now, for T-Virus. Hang on a moment now was it well known that Will Farm had the T-Virus by the general populace? For the purposes of making the vaccine yes. Okay so that's what the guys was. Okay gotcha keep going then. But, th but this guy this guy is actually just a rogue agent within Will Farm the whole, the whole thing isn't corrupt from the core like Umbrella was. Okay. They're actually quite innocent so th it's just this one guy. The public uh the public trust in the company bottoms out, as you could imagine, and Tricell come and absorb Will Farm's personnel and assets. Holy shit! Nice. So, so is uh, nice is Excella Gione reference? No, at all? Oh. actually, I've actually sort of mucked up the chronology here. That's actually after this next point. Oh, okay. But they find uh, they find the executive and arrest him. And then you see Tricell come and absorb the things. There's a few more scenes where Leon and Claire and Angela all part ways again. Leon runs off into a waiting helicopter for his next mission, I guess. And Claire sort of, she goes back off with the, the little girl and her aunt from America and, you know, sorts their life out. Did you see anyone from Tricell? Like any figures or people? Just wait. And so, and then Angela's sort of just sort of getting over her whole dead brother and dead family and things like that. Yeah. Well, you said this was a three-part, so was that the second part, or was that also the third? Three-part? Yeah, you said there was three parts, you know, the, the first part was the plane. Oh, no, no, I just meant, I just meant that the first third was in the airport, so oh, okay. the thir first third of the film in terms of duration. So we're near the end now, right? Yeah, very, very end. And so they all part ways, Leon runs off into his helicopter to go talk to whoever and Claire sort of goes off with the family to sort their lives out yeah 
And then the last sort of shots, you see tricell scientists in biohazard suits combing the bottom of this this big pit. And you see one guy pick up, looks like a fragment, probably a claw or like a the, the sort of the end of its tail, maybe the stump on a shot, this big sort of spike fragment of the G monster. And he puts it in a case and locks it. <laughs> and the credits roll. Very so interesting. Tri so Tricell have... have taken over Will Farm and then they've absorbed the assets personnel and then they've got presumably there's a way to get a G sample out of a G monster carcass Yeah. because Wesker says it does in Wesker's report one so I yeah. guess they have access to G virus now very interesting stuff there you go thanks so it's a, it's, yeah thanks for that is that, that more complicated than you thought because that, that's really quite involved that's more involved than I thought it would I be I thought it was just going to be oh an outbreak here oh you know in the air, air, airport you know I didn't think they'd be going to people's houses and then to the wheel farm you know it seems a lot more yeah. deep than I I'm very in, much anticipating this now oh, December so far so away Will farm were an innocent company you know they were like a normal company yes they were uh, okay Small scale or you know, on the skip umbrella? Oh, or? I think probably pretty um, big scale, given that they had yeah. plates set up. You know, uh, you don't see. If you look at this research facility, yeah, it's quite big. Cool. Now, wait, uh, Will Farm was that set up after Raccoon City, or was this? Is that explained? That's not mentioned. That's okay. not mentioned. So, I I don't know. Okay, so I don't really have any questions beyond that. Do you guys? I'm in really? shock. I think I I thought Chris might have keeled over and died. I haven't heard from him in, since you started, Gene. <laughs> no, I've just been listening intently. So what do you think, Chris? I know you were most skeptical about it. How do you? How does it sound to you? What? How does the movie sound? I was never skeptical about the movie. Oh come on, you! Shut up, then. All right, we'll cut that part. <laughs> but no, I thought I think it sounds pretty interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Mm. As I as I, like I said, Mike. Like I like the connection with Tricell. Yeah, at the so end, do I. Definitely. Yeah, I, I like that too. I am, as I said, I was expecting pretty much, you know, just at the airport. My expectations are actually really quite low, and I was actually really surprised to see that you know was, the script had twists and yeah. it was quite well written and executed. So yeah, it was. I thought it was pretty enjoyable. Actually. I guess we'll move on to the community questions here now. Um, if okay, yeah, sure. if they're answered, I'll just answer them. So this one comes from Nomad9026. Who is the G-Monster? Well, we know who that is. What's his yep, name again? Next. Uh, Curtis. Curtis. Miller. Curtis. Okay. Curtis Miller. Gotcha. Okay, Nomad again. Uh, are there any BOWs that... More BOWs than what we saw in the trailer? So zombies and G-Monster. Is there any others? Uh, that's all. That's all? Okay. That's all. Um, AJ wants to know, did the movie tell what the main characters have been doing since Raccoon City? That very vague reference to uh, just Chris being a fighter. Leon, we know about Claire, her involvement with TerraSave, this organization. Yeah. Rebecca, Barry, no one else gets a mention. Oh, you got my whole... I heard you say Rebecca and Barry, and I thought you were going to say our briefly no, mentioned. <laughs> okay, um, Kieran Delvin wants to know, any noteworthy story developments plot-wise, character-wise? Well, we've covered that pretty much, so we'll move on to the next. Actually, What's that? Claire's... Claire's character developments not so, not so um, not so, it doesn't advance very far, but it really reinforces what we know about her, and I think it's really she's she sort of stands out as being really good, the star of the movie. Yeah, because Leon's really really. Yeah, it sounds like he's just the Superman now, you know. It's like yeah, he oh, gotta go on another uh, mission, guys. Gotta, gotta, gotta take care of the president's daughter. 
And I'll say that I, you know, I, I didn't have any problems with Leon in Resident Evil 4 whatsoever, but now he's very, very just... And it's not even all the action and crap that he does. It's just when he stands there, arms by well, his side, lips barely moving. will like Leon in, in this film. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I hang on. So, people who don't like Leon certainly won't like him. But the, the new fans that, you know, sort of latched on after number four. Yeah. I guess Leon could do no wrong, really. So. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, um, Big Stu wants to know, will the film link to Resident Evil 5 at all? We kind of answered that with the tricell thing that's at the, the end. That's the only way. The that only one. Tricell thing at the end. Yeah. Okay, um, Sogar wants to know, any romance between Leon and Claire? No. So, not, not not really. It's, um, how about Angela and Leon? They sort of seem to kiss. Is it, there anything expanded on that? Actually, just at the very end as they part ways, Leon says, hey, let's go diving again. <laughs> what an asshole! And then, okay, this is a cheap one. <laughs> yeah, um, but, no bad ninety twenty six. Any flashbacks in the movie? If so, what do they show? I guess the intro would kind of be considered. Ah, now. Yeah, yeah. But also, if you watch the, the trailer, the the one that got recalled and then someone put on YouTube, mm -hmm. you see Leon and Claire in Raccoon City. Oh yeah, right. I don't think and I saw this. That's about the extent of it. What you see in that trailer, it's tiny maybe so, two seconds of screen time how does this come up is this like in passing or is it it's it's sort of there when they when leon's gone to rescue the senator and claire and the little girl the senator's like well, why should we listen to her you know she's just a regular dumb bint and then then um leon goes hey she's a raccoon city survivor you know she, she's experienced more of this than any of you guys or something like that and then and that's when you see a little flashback ah okay nothing else though other than that no, no. Uh, just the introduction, again, with sort of the fall of Umbrella. Okay. Uh, Project Omega wants to know, this is kind of a long question, but I'll read it all out. He says, what kind of people are attending this event? Are the majority of them male or are some of them female viewers? Any diehard fans at the showing that you could see, including but not limited to cosplayers, people wearing biohazard pins, apparel, etc.? Really good question. Yeah, that um, was. Really good. The the audience makeup would be mostly male, maybe seventy thirty though. Sort of not as much as you'd mm. think. Any uh, obvious cosplayers or fans wearing apparel? I think I was the only one wearing a biohazard t-shirt. Oh so. man! <laughs> no, it was very strange. But actually, the um, actually I said this before. Oh, hang on, I didn't say it on the show. Um, I, I posted on the forums that the producer, screenwriter, and director were all present at the, the screening that I went to. Yeah. That they asked before the show, okay, who who has come the furthest to come and see this film? <laughs> and then and so a few people from Hiroshima made their way to Osaka, which is pretty bloody far. And so they actually gave them a sign. That place still uh, exists? Yeah, they rebuilt yes. that whole place. But go ahead, Gene. And so they actually gave them a signed press it, it says it's a press kit. So a signed thing which got it you can't uh, it wasn't available in the shop outside Ooh, the cinema. And what did you say and about this? Did you? I stuck my hand up and said, "I'm come from Australia," and they gave me one. <laughs> you bloody liar! <laughs> but that's great. No, no, it's not... no, so I've got a um, I got a signed press kit by the producer, director, and that screenwriter. Is, scriptwriter. That is amazing. You need to get photos of that to us so we can put it. I've on the got news some photos, post. but I didn't I didn't upload them yet. I'm, I'm going to sizzle it until the podcast hits and then Ooh. put the photo. Very nice. <laughs> Very cool. So, and then actually another crowd stuck their hand up. They're from Italy. Mm. So. 
Very but, cool. So the Italian, about three or four Italians and myself, we were the only foreigners in the audience too. Huh. How many kits were they? did they hand out? Like four, oh, four five or five? Or six. Yeah, okay. Five or six. What's, yeah, not many at all. What's actually inside this thing now? Is it like... Uh... Uh, I'll just grab it. Can you just give me one second? Yeah, sure. If, if, if there's a DVD in there, I'd, I'd, I'd pay you for rips. Or, or perhaps, perhaps <laughs> it's a beta. Perhaps there's a beta footage of the... Uh, I would give you diplomatic immunity on the horrors alive. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. So it's it's bigger than A4, not quite A3. Mm. Um, so... It's sort of like a gatefold thing. So you open it once, and there's sort of a serious timeline and some you know, nice big photos. Ooh, you're going to have to scan this. Or, I don't have a scanner. Or take a large picture. <laughs> there's actually an amendment sheet because there's an error inside as well. Ooh. Do, um, do, take, do take good quality pictures of these because uh, I'm sure the Project Umbrella will be very grateful uh, for, for your work. This kind of information. As long as you say please. <laughs> But um, and then there's, uh, if you open it further again, there's character bios, and the area is it says Claire escaped from Ashford Island, not Rockfort Island. <laughs> but, but there's an A4 sheet Wait, in the inside amending. Is this in English? No, 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 no. no. Okay. But I can read a little, mm. especially especially borrowed words like that. Very easy. Yeah. And then the other side is an interview with the producer, staff credits. And actually, about the uh, theme song, there's a little info on the theme song as well, mm. which is the theme song is called "Guilty." It's by Anna Suchia. Mm. Now that's, that's actually that's sort of like a J-rock song. It's not your biohazard. Oh, okay, yeah. Is, so it's, it's not too good. Now, is this? Is there any like DVDs or slides, anything like that? In the... Uh, no, 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 no. Okay, so it's like is a pamphlet. That, Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Before we continue, there are actually there are actually a couple more questions that we've we've forgot to say. Uh, yeah, sure. by Neptune. Oh um, no, no, I, all... I'm I'm going to them. I'm I'm not finished with the questions okay, yet. Okay, okay, no problem. As they actually had the um the degeneration merchandise from Tokyo Game Show for sale as well. What what uh, merchandise was this? There's two zippos, a few T-shirts, some folders, uh, some mobile phone stickers. Any video? A pen- Things. No, a pendant and a cup. Hmm. You sent me a T-shirt. <laughs> the t shirt I was just say I didn't buy the T-shirts. They look really shit. But um, <laughs> they have Leon's they, they look... smug face on it. I bet. No, it's just like a like it's just like someone's like... Le- It's got a picture of Leon's face on it and the words "Scrub this virus on the face of the earth." <laughs> if they had that shirt, I would have bought it. Hell yeah! <laughs> it was like um, of them and then distribute them amongst the horrors alive. Scrub this. Face for the virus in my face, but yeah, um, it's sort of um, it looked like uh, just sort of like a, a photograph iron-on, sort of just like a square with a picture on it. it wasn't really. Oh good. crap! But I, I picked up both the zippos and things, you know. Ooh, can you get shots of those as well? I'd like to see those. Yeah, there's some already on my on the photo albums. I put some up. Mm. Okay. Uh, but um, should we get to another question here? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Uh. Last one from Project Omega. He says, "How was the G virus involved in the movie?" Well, we know that now. Yeah, isn't it? Uh, Neptune wants to know. Aside from the obvious links like Claire and Leon, are there any more subtle hints to other games in the series? Uh, not really. Just two, really, with the no. flashback, I guess. Yeah, and sort of well, there's sort of a little joke where Claire uses the umbrella as the weapon, and 
Not so much else. Okay. No. Neptune asks, uh, whereabouts in the USA is Herbertville? Is that still correct? Harvardville. Harvardville. Where whereabouts Harvard. do they do they explain where this is or Not really. I think um I don't know. Well, you see the thing is Curtis who's now who who lives in Harvardville. Yeah. He he lost his wife and child in Raccoon City. So they should be quite close. They, I guess they're nearby. Yeah. I think, and that, um, that's sort of the main link to Raccoon as well. I think it's like uh, it might be just a fictional place, like uh, oh, like Stoneville yeah. in Cuba. Yeah, well, like in the movies, I know it's like uh, the Pocono Mountains in Pennsylvania, which would be the Arclay Mountains in the movie. So, like, I'm in Raccoon City right now, basically. <laughs> oh, <laughs> if we man. go, if we go from the movie, but um, uh, Holly eighteen wants to know: Is Aiden in the movie at all? Unless you believe the conspiracy that Hannigan is Ada, then no. <laughs> no, okay, I'm pretty sure that that's not the case. Yeah. So, yeah, then no, she's not in it. Okay, so so finally to round out this uh, very long podcast, we have some call-ins. First, we have a call-in from a new member. Uh, his, I believe his forum name is House of Herrera, so let's see what he has to say. Hey guys, it's George from HouseofHerrera.com on Skype. I have mixed feelings about Resident Evil Code Veronica. Uh, when I first bought it, I bought it for the Dreamcast when it first came out. Um, I had just finished playing Nemesis. And I was excited about Code Veronica because I knew it was going to be a leap as far as technology-wise. And uh, hopefully, I was hoping for the story to be a little better. And uh, for them to uh, slowly divulge the uh, develop developing story that the franchise is known for doing slowly progressing the story along which is a good thing for Resident Evil in my opinion um, as far as the graphics I thought they were top-notch for the time uh, I did appreciate seeing the recreation of the mansion again in real-time 3d which was rendered very nicely at the time as far as Chris Redfield coming back that was pretty cool. It was a surprise for me because I didn't really read into Resident Evil 4 until the day I bought it and played it. I think he means Code Veronica there. I, I uh, remember how, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but the cover of the Dreamcast version and the back didn't even show Chris or anything. It just showed um, Claire Redfield on it. And uh, it wasn't like X where it shows Chris and Claire. Yes, Biohazard on the Biohazard Code Veronica on Dreamcast shows Chris and Claire on the front and back. Oh, okay. Just to just to add, the uh, the PAL cover for Code Veronica X on the PS2 is is pretty bland. It's just a huge close up of Claire's face <laughs> with like reflection of a zombie in her eyes and awful. It's very poor. Actually, on the back of Biohazard Code Veronica on Dreamcast, you can see Whisker and Steve on the back too. Oh, all right. But also, it's interesting to add um, the you know how I said the the uh, the PAL cover of Code Veronica X has Claire's face and the reflection of a zombie in her eyes. Well, I have a copy of uh, Survivor Two Code Veronica and uh, PAL copy PS Two, mm-hmm. and that just shows a close-up yes. of a zombie. A face. zombie. It is Claire in the reflection. Yes. Oh man. Same picture. That the, the, uh, just seals it right there. Good lord. Okay, let's get back to George. You know that, and I also like the uh, tyrant fight in the cargo 
playing, which was really cool. It's uh, a, a really uh, awesome moment in the game that stuck with me for a long time, and I've never forgotten that battle. It was really, really cool, really intense, and well, well done. Yeah, I don't think we discussed that, but he brings up a good point. Um, you know, it's the first tyrant you see in the game. In fact, the only tyrant, really. Yeah. So it's something like a bit nostalgic. Nostalgia Can feeling I just when say, I had it. Yeah. I really hate that tyrant. <laughs> I, I, try, I, tried to... I think when I first played it, I didn't know how to defeat it properly. So, you know, I would kept hitting the cargo thing and it wouldn't go. So I eventually had to read a guide for it. But go ahead, Gene. I've um I tried to beat the game with a knife only. This was a few months ago, oh, and um man. I can't beat him. I I can get up to him, but he is too tough. Yeah, okay. knife only. I've I've seen it done on YouTube, but the, the, he has some like nearly undodgeable attacks and he does so much damage. He's a bastard. Yeah, on um, many points, and um, the things I hate about it are just all of the above. Um, Steve turning into this huge orc with an axe that belongs in Middle-earth just didn't fit in a Resident Evil world. Um, Wesker and Chris's super hero John Woosh type fight which was really off the top and really just out of control didn't make any sense at all. Um, the opening cutscene as well kind of made me cringe because you know, if, as we see the opening cutscenes of the original games, one through three on the PlayStation, you know, all the heroes are like striving to survive, and they're like at, on their last leg, practically. But then this cutscene for Code Veronica, and we see uh, Claire Redfield running and gunning, you know, blazing through a, a building with just a gun and in her hand, and you know, dodging bullets like in G.I. Joe, so it's like, it's out of control. I didn't really think that I was playing a Resident Evil game when I saw the cutscene. Yeah, it was beautiful at the time, um, beautifully rendered, yet again, it's not Resident Evil. Um, he brings up a good point there with uh, the intro. I mean, Claire was this just this normal woman. I guess she probably had weapons training since she was a Redfield, but still... You know, she blindly goes into Umbrella's lab. It seems kind of... Yeah, you know. definitely far-fetched. Yeah, I'll agree with that criticism. And and like, just the chopper pilot who just mows down his own men. It's like, what? <laughs> and, and how she can drop faster than a, a gun that she dropped beforehand. That's... I'm pretty sure that's impossible. There is one question and, and this... to ask here. Uh, there was a, uh, a theory or a rumor going around that the helicopter pilot was originally intended to be Nikolai. Could be, but I when I looked at him in the intro, it was just a faceless person, so... Yeah, no. But Gene, what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say, if she, if she dropped, sort of threw the gun up a little when she dropped it, she could fall faster than it. But... No, she didn't. She just... But yeah. That's just... Yeah, who cares? Other things, like the uh, control scheme, the uh, mechanics of the control were a little outdated. Uh, when we played Nemesis, we remember we were able to now walk up the steps freely. The zombies were able to walk up the stairs and follow you. And it was um, a leap forward in progression as of the game mechanics. Then we get Co-Veronica, which is a step back. Because now we had to tap the action button again and 
it was kind of sad to see that happen like that. I mean, they could have progressed it with the hardware at the time and the, the graphics, and they could have bungled up, you know, the commands and, and mechanics of Nemesis as well. Why, why couldn't they do that? I still don't know, but um, it's sad that I am anticipating as my next Resident Evil game Dark Biohazard rather than Resident Evil 5. That's a sad thing. Um, as far as Capcom is concerned, those who are making the game are amateurs. So, you know, it's it's kind of sad that a big company like that, with all of its um, resources and the budget that they must have, um, the f that they're letting down their fan base with uh, releasing these games that are not Resident Evil. Why don't they just change the name? And oh, he kind of cut off there. Um, uh, question is, does he work for Dark Biohazard? <laughs> <laughs> well, you do see him on the podcast or on the forums quite a bit, saying you know Dark Biohazard. If I can, go ahead, G. If I can just uh, sort of answer that criticism, I mean, the, yeah, the series has taken a bent towards action. Whether you like it or not, that's how it is. Yeah. And so, I guess you know, it's, you, I mean, yeah, Dark Biohazard. I think when they team's doing a phenomenal job absolutely amazing considering it's all reverse engineered and you know done unpaid absolutely but i can see why also they wouldn't start a new franchise because they, they, they've got this established one they've got the feature films now getting yeah. the brand out there the name up they're not going to change the name for uh you know and, and and also the i think maybe yeah sad fact is that more people enjoy the action gameplay style than um, do the traditional now you're not going to find those people are going to sign up to a forum and talk to others about it yeah so you've got to buy a sample but the people who will sign up to the forums will always lament about their days gone yeah exactly so it's just business I and mean, that's really all yeah i don't i don't think uh the games are bad i mean you know sure they've changed a bit but you know i guess if you got a problem with it then just don't play them <laughs> it sounds harsh right. but it's true but uh we should get on to the next qu comment here it's uh andy Faru. so let's see what he has to say Yes, hello. Um, I'll just talk about a few things from Code Veronica. Firstly, I'm not sure about this, but I think I heard that Code Veronica for the PS2 was a port from the Dreamcast. I'm not sure on that, but apparently the cutscene where Chris fights Wesker near the end was made for the PS2 version. So I was just wondering what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it probably was. I don't think they created it from the ground up, certainly not. I mean, John, did you notice any upgraded graphics or... Nothing really came to mind. The only difference I can tell between the original Code Veronica and uh, the acts of the new scenes of Wesker in, and yeah. that's just about it, really. Yeah, the, even playing on so the, the game. Is... Even playing on the GameCube version, I didn't notice anything different. But go ahead, Gene. The uh, Code Veronica X was only released on the Dreamcast in Japan. Oh, that's right. I so it would it would be a port of Code Veronica X. On Dreamcast. Gotcha. If I was going to check, I'd have to play through Code Veronica X on Dreamcast, and I really don't want to play through it again. Yeah, I don't. I don't blame you. I'll, we'll eventually have a comparison up on the Horrors Alive. But um, and now there's something else about this. I know they they call Code Veronica X Code Veronica Complete in Japan. Is that the actual yes. subtitle? Complete. It's uh, in Japanese. I think it's Kanbanzin. I think I don't. I. It's not X. I'm guessing, yeah, it's complete. The trans Some most, places I've read. most places I've read it translated, translates it to complete. Okay. So. Uh, so our thoughts on the Wesker battle. I mean, I liked it, but, you know, it was over the top, like George said. But then again, the series by this point kind of was. I mean, you always have to sacrifice a bit of reality. 
and you know, for better or worse, Wesker's back, whether we like it or not. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the fight. You know, Chris was up against these insurmountable odds, and he sort of, you know, he got he got one in, but it wasn't good enough. So I guess we'll see what happens in five. Uh, reality and entertainment rarely go hand in hand. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's get back to this. Also, um, playing the game again has reminded me just how good the variety of enemies are, including that tyrant you find on the plane that looks like a mutated Mr. X from Resident Evil 2. Although, in my opinion, that was one of the most easiest boss fights in the game anyway. Oh my god! Wait, 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 wait. sorry. <laughs> Whoa. Sorry, what? No, 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 no. no. Wait, it's if easy. It's easy if you use oh. the bow gun rounds, or not the bow the gun gas rounds. rounds. Yeah, the bo the BOW yes. gas. It knocks his health out by half each time, as long as you yeah. wait until after the gas dissipates between rounds. But yeah, like if if you come prepared, I think you could say the same for any boss in in the series. Like if you come prepared with weapons, you know you're gonna have an okay time. But uh, in my opinion, though, like he's pretty tough. I mean, he takes a lot of Just... damage. He's a he's a damage sponge basically, and then you hit yes. a button. and don't try and knife him. <laughs> uh, I'm kind of curious. So, you could argue that the BOW gas in the grenade rounds was the same kind of gas that was used in Antarctica that leaked since they moved the giant spiders in. I'm pretty yeah, sure maybe. it was. It was because the screen fills with green in the back of the plane when you okay, use yeah, it. So, okay. with that in mind, however, how is it that this gas does nothing? Uh, actually, no. How is it this gas can uh, really injure a tyrant? Yeah, it does nothing against spiders. I think. Well, maybe it does cut their health. Yeah, that's, I'd, that's some homework for you. I'd imagine it probably does. Probably cut it by half. You know. And correct me if I'm wrong. In Cold Veronica Survivor, a Nemesis unit was transported to Rockfort Island, and in case of an outbreak, it was meant to activate or something like that. So maybe um, the tyrant on the plane was another version of Mr. X. No, I don't know about that. Uh, uh, I, I didn't play that so much myself, but. Wait, what's this? What was the question? This again? this is just uh, from Gun Gun Survivor Two. You know the nemesis, sort of to explain well, his that was origin. Just a game, that was just a gameplay mechanic. Yeah. That Capcom added. Yeah, just so to get. They didn't the machines too long. Yeah, so. exactly. You have to remember it's an arcade machine, so they want people to pump in money. So there's a very tight time limit. Yeah. If you don't make it, they drop nemesis on you, and then. I think the only story connection that you can make with that is I think it's been theorized that you know oh it's it's Claire's dream when she's on. Uh, poisoned by Nosferatu in the hell in the cocoon, but even then, it's it's. She never it, met Nemesis, so. Yeah, she never met Nemesis, and she also and, um, didn't go in those rooms, the, so she, you know, she wouldn't know the layout. So. It, there's liquors and drain demos there too. Oh, okay. As well as Nemesis, so uh, she, yeah, she, she'd know about liquors, but not the drain demos. So. Uh, I'm not sure on that though. But um, the atmosphere in the game definitely gives it an eerie feeling though, um, especially because most of the facilities are dark due to a lack of power, and because of the fog effects it makes it difficult to see. Um, even though you can hear the enemy, you might not know what it is until you get to it. Um, although it is different with Alfred. I don't know about you, but a crazed cross-dressing freak who believes he's his own sister is enough to disturb anyone. It makes his character more comical in my view. Can I cut in? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, just a bit of a nerd point here. Mr. X, code number T-103. Code Veronica, the Tyrants, T-078. Ah, that's, that's from memory, so it might be wrong. So they're a different you know model how, number. You know how Mr. X is referred to as T-103? I wonder if that's possibly a reference to Terminator. I, I think it's just T-Virus. 
tyrant um, tyrant or or that or that yeah, yeah. <laughs> and can i just say about go ahead the cutting of the power yeah in antarctica see something the automatic doors still work the elevator where you need to refill the fire extinguisher and drop yeah. it in the pool that still works but and so when i was playing through i didn't really notice the differences the first time I played through, it took me forever to figure out that you have to turn the power off to get the eyes out of the tiger statue. <laughs> yeah, that I, it, I didn't remember that at all. It wasn't predictable. No, it wasn't at it all. It wasn't predictable what the power would turn off and what it wouldn't, what it would affect. Exactly. And that I thought that was to its detriment, actually. And uh, just to make a point about that tyrant, too, I think in the, one of the reports, Hunk's report, actually, it's mentioned that he transported a uh, large frozen, you know, capsule to the to the base there i'd imagine it's probably that you know the tyrant was used as a sort of a cleanup agent you know if somebody had infiltrated the island he would be activated or whatever um it just depends what your opinion on the game is though um i basically have no complaints about the resident evil games so yes that means resident evil 4 as well which happens to be one of my favorite games now the next thing i want to mention is the battle mode where you can play as Albert Wesker. What do you guys think about that? Um, myself, I find that because Wesker was equipped with the knife, it makes it almost impossible to finish his mode. Even though he can take a hell of a lot of punishment from enemies. Also, I thought the per first person view was a nice touch. Um, so on the Wesker point, I didn't unlock him this time because I didn't have enough time. Um, but I do recall on the original Dreamcast celebrating the day that I did you know, beat the game with Wesker, beat the battle mode with Wesker, and it was because of the fact that I had found one herb that I was missing on the conveyor belt structure over there, and, you know, that made all the difference. It finally allowed me to beat it. So how about you, Gene? Uh, no, I, I I didn't play it when I played Code Veronica this time, but I've finished the Wesker game, and I I didn't find it too difficult. Hmm. Once once you sort of realize the enemies, how how to attack the enemies with the knife, and it's it's different from game to game, and so once you figure out the Code Veronica strategies, so with a zombie you sort of stand in front of them, and as they lunge you dash forward. Yeah. And then sort of, when their arms are by their side, you give them a slash to the chest, and then you'll normally drop them with that. And if they don't fall over, just give them another slash. They won't be able to get you, but they'll fall over on that second one every time. You know, I didn't know that. I and always so, slashed at their legs. No, but once once you sort of no, you coax them into attacking when they miss on the chest, and then the legs. Mm. Uh, then when they're on the ground. And once you sort of get that down for every enemy and you can string it together for Wesker, it's a pain. Hunters, you just got to sort of juke it out and slash, 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 trade blows. Yeah. Bandersnatch, uh, sort of... If you've got really good timing, you can do Bandersnatch without getting hurt, but huh. I can't do that. Okay, John? I was just saying that Wesker's uh, mode, in battle mode, if you will, Wesker's playthrough, is a lot easier than the other... Uh, previous games where you know it with the knife only carries like Nikolai and Ori Free. Yeah. It's a lot easier than it is uh, playing as Nikolai and Ori Free in my head with the knife. I'll say that oh, no, I'll agree with that, but just with Nikolai, um again once he's not that difficult once you understand the enemy behaviour and strategies. And I can I know people say I I'll say them, I love Mad Jackal more than I love the main game in Resident Evil Three. Mm. Just because there's so much more challenge. And I, I can actually I've done it once, got six survivors and Killing Nemesis Type Two with Nikolai, <laughs> which is very it took me a lot of practice. It's very difficult, but I can do it. And um, oh, the thing is, <laughs> the thing is with with Mad Jackal, if you look at that, they've got three characters, three weapon sets, 
and then you've got enemy a really challenging enemy layout and then I think it's a brilliant sort of risk versus reward thing where okay I can go and save Marvin but I'm going to spend this many bullets and this much time to go get him and then I might take this much damage and then if I save him this is what I'll be rewarded with yeah and so you sort of have to weigh up when you do your runs for time time cost health cost ammo cost and benefit and it's actually a really really deep game especially when you play with Nikolai and so with Code Veronica the mini game I just didn't I didn't feel that depth it's just okay give everyone guns infinite, give them infinite ammo. ammo yeah and then just go blast the shit out of stuff it was really <laughs> really done Mad Jackal I think is actually better than RE3 main game oh my god okay <laughs> we should, should call, have had you on for the RE3 podcast but uh, let's let's go to the last call in. This is from Heligad. I have no idea what this says, by the way. So let's just go with it. Hi, Doc, and everyone out there. It's uh, the other Gene, better known as Heligad's on the boards. Um, I read the Kronka novel. Um, I found it was the best of Perry's novels because it showed a lot more emotion than her other novels. Um, I also found that just. Um, just as a general trivia thing, it only had it had the only use of the F word in the whole series, which yeah, I would pick up on because I'm that sort of type of person. Yeah, it's a really really good book. I wouldn't say it's a masterpiece, but it's close. Um, yeah, if you get the time, just yeah, do read it because it is a very good book. Okay, see you later. That's uh, I. The only games I ever played, or the only books I ever read so far was the Resident Evil 1 one when it was released, and just recently I went through Resident Evil 0 when my my computer was down. I've read through the first four, but I haven't uh, read 0 or Code Veronica. Hmm. Gene? Um, I, my local library had, I think, 1, 2, and 4. Wait, what? Oh, sorry, 1, 3, and 4. Wait, sorry, your library carried these? Or? Yeah, in Australia they had... Like to rent? Number, uh, like free? Yeah, free. free. Wow. Oh, wow. But the thing is, that number one, the books based on Resident Evil 1 and 2 were always out. Could never get them. Mm. So I read um, one of her original stories, Resident Evil Underworld, it was called. And it had, this is a spoiler, but I mean, I don't, okay. So yeah, that's fine. Don't read, the, don't read the book, it's shit. So it doesn't <laughs> matter if I spoil it for you. <laughs> There's, I think, from memory, there's skinned goats that spit acid. Oh, my God. And a Tyrannosaurus tyrant. <sighs> yep. I remember and I was that. Like, Good Lord. Yeah, it's shit. That's, like, all I remember. I have to read it, though. I, I wasn't keen on S.D. Perry's novels because they always struck me as Mary Sue fan fiction drivel. I don't know. Mm. I, I thought they were all right, like, the first few. I think... I could be confused. It might be her, it might be her father who did some of the Aliens novelizations. Mm. And I'd read one of those prior and I didn't like it. So it was an original Aliens story in that universe, not a novelization of the film. Sorry. Okay, everyone, and that's going to do it for episode four of the RPD Dispatch. Sorry for the length on this one, but I think it's kind of warranted with all the trailer discussion and uh, the good degeneration talk at the end there from Gene. I want to thank you, Gene, especially, for uh, coming on and you know, being uh, such a good member of the forums, uh, really good. no problem. Yeah, really great to have Any, you. Any time. Yeah, we. I think we'd love to have you on on other podcasts. You know, if I won't be getting Dead Space soon, but if you want to do one after, yeah, let me know. Time zones permitting, I guess we should say. Uh, 
given the fact that you know we have a British man, we have two East Coast United States people, and now a Japanese man. So you, you know it's very difficult to coordinate all this. So I really appreciate you coming on, and John, especially you. I know it's probably five o'clock in the morning around that time oh, there. Five in the morning right now. Yeah. So really, thanks for sticking in there. I know you have a trouble with your tooth and everything. So uh, Chris as well. You know, thanks a lot, Chris, for joining here. Yeah, no so, problem. That's probably going to do it for the podcast here. Um, so I want to thank all the people who called in. Heligad, House of Herrera, George, and uh, Andy Faru. Thank you, guys. I am Dot50Cal. I'm Mr. Spencer. I'm the Selfish Jane. And I'm Alzer. Thank you, and goodbye. Okay. What? Actually, are there any connections between Degeneration and RE5? Really? Yes, there are. Ooh! <laughs> <laughs> um, guys, hang on. My my keyboard stopped working. <laughs> yeah? What the? That is Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Wait. Uh, yeah, I was just saying. Actually, don't record this because I'm gonna cut it here. I'm yeah, I'll I'll I'm listening the whole thing. So go ahead. Okay. Well, I was just saying that you mentioned replicant. Did I mention replicant yeah. or replica? You said replicant. <laughs> oh God! You mutant! <laughs> I had to say replica. <laughs> Oops. Hello, my name is John. Test. That's good. I don't hear anything. What are you doing? Mike it's like, oh, balancing it on a pack of books here and a banana peel. <laughs> <laughs> a banana peel. Oh, right. I'm a maverick. Oh, maverick. I'm a maverick. I'm a maverick. When you compare Chris's time at Rocksport and Claire's time at Rocksport, it's almost a reflection on the genders. The man is straightforward, the point, does his job, and Chris does. And the female does a lot of standing around and going back and forth to different places and backtracking and I assume this is going to get cooked. <laughs> it's, your, it's your misogynist blooper for the week. The only time... See, I, I... The only time... I played your... <laughs> Alright, I'll go quick. I'll, I'll mop it up. Okay. Before we wrap this up, oh. I, don't, I don't think we're quite finished. Really? I don't think you can. I don't think you can have a conversation about Code Veronica without putting the boot into Steve. We d- we kind of did though, didn't we? We've done that. Oh, yeah. we've, we've already kicked. We've, we're on the floor, arriving in agony. <laughs> Gene, him. Gene wants to go in for the kill. He's got the knife in his I mouth. I really want to put the boot. In. You can release the podcast and then release podcast for X. All the Code Veronica talking. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So an extra bit at the end Excellent. is where uh, Gene from the front starts with me, Carl. Alright, so with that, uh... Look at the beaters, I God did. damn it! I've tried to wrap this up six times! Let me wrap it up before it hits an hour! <laughs> okay, here we go. Cool. We've got time to spoil the kettle. Or maybe, like, some clips from the trailer. However, oh, <laughs> Yeah, oh, the beaters. Raccoon City. Okay, beaters. Let's let's get to the news here. Hey, yeah, Gene. I've done it again, haven't I? Gene, what's that?
Oh, no, I wasn't going to say anything. No, you you just said to me, oh, this is hella gad, fucker. Okay. I don't know about oh, that. Fucker. Wired's Chris Kohler reviewed Denner. Wired's. <laughs> I'll say that the voice acting is actually notice. No. Note, so, not the voice acting. The voice acting for Claire and Leon. Fucked it again. Just go ahead. It's alright. I'll edit this. <laughs> or whatever our little ending thing goes like. There's going to be so many bloopers up there. Oh no! I forgot to do the people's... Oh, guys, we got it. We got questions from people. What? Fuck. What? Qu oh, shit. Oh! Audio. The betas, John. The glorious betas. No one will take them from us. Not Project Umbrella. Not <laughs> there's, there's more. Should I keep going? <laughs> yes. Yeah, go ahead. Ahead. Not even Capcom themselves. <laughs> they will be ours and ours alone. Hail 3.5. Hail ah! 064. Hail GBC. Hail oh, 1.5. The power. <laughs> The power. You must have been extremely <laughs> bored. I was waiting for you to get back on. So I was like, I'm gonna send him a message. It's <laughs> great. Oh, that's going in the bloopers. Although it is believed that there were four survivors of the Raccoon City incident, there was a fifth a British citizen by the name of Andy Lancaster, who was on vacation in the United States to visit his relatives, managed to escape this city. What follows are the chronicles of his adventures. Oh dear, must be, must be drunk in this town, nothing like this back home, no, back home in, back home in Yorkshire, good old, old England. Alright, that's, uh, Make your way back over here then, see what's going on here. Everyone's bloody drunk in this place, that's a fact. No, I'll tell you that. Oh, I've got the fire agent here still going. I'll fix that for a bit, get me. I think I'll let me have a wrench around here somewhere in my bag. Oh, Let's fix that up there. Yep. There we go, that should, that should solve it. Uh, waste of water, that is. Would tell this back at all if I was piped by on that, you know. Yeah, the Americans aren't even any good at bloody fixing their own stuff. If it's a, if it's a holiday makers like me, you have to go around and fix everything for them, lazy buggies. That's uh, RPD, alright. RPD was this police do, ah, oh, bloody police do, I see what's going on here, or police place, or whatever. Open these gates and. Oh, there we go. All right, fine. Oh, there we are, I don't know. Well, what the bloody hell's going over there? Some woman over there shooting shooting bullets at some man in a trench coat or something. You know what that's all about, like, but. Uh, oh, that's it. Bloody hell. <laughs> She's giving him one, eh? Oh my. 
think he's dead. I think she's killed the bugger. <laughs> let's, let's see what's going on over here then. Oi, oi mate, you, you're alright then. What sort of you? Nope. No, I think, I think he's dead, this one is. Oh. Hey. No. Oh wait, oh wait. Bloody hell, he's still alive, mate. <laughs> Don't think anybody can get up from that. I mean, you know, I've seen some people get up from things like that before back home. You know, when blow kind you got stabbed by some guy outside some pub. But, but hey, but what you're doing, mate? You're not looking at me like that. You're a bugger off in there and fall off that bitch that came after you before. You know, looking at me like that, mate. Or really knock six bells out of you, mate. You alright? Wait, wait, where are you going? You can't just hey. Hey, I just walked you up here, you just run a bugger off in there and not even... Look at that, eh? Not even, not even a bit of gratitude, no thanks for you or anything. Typical this bloody country, there's no appreciation or anything. I come here, have a nice little uh, holiday, see some relatives and that, you know, and... Oh, this bloody nonsense starts happening, it's a, it's a joke, that, isn't it? Well, I think, uh... I gotta follow this behind... Have a bloody drunk over there. This town's bloody full of drunks. Jesus Christ, it's worse than worse than York on a Friday night. This is right. Let's, let's go in here and see what anything going on this police station. <coughs> bloody doors I've been fixing. Those joints need a bit of a bit of oil on them. Uh, there we go. Close up behind me. Bloody cold, bloody freezing out there. Oh. Thanks. Bloody hell, we call this a police station. What's all this about here? It's not a bloody police station at all. What is that? It's not like there are people around, nothing here. It's just what American, it's just what American police are like then. Sitting around somewhere on their own, the fat asses doing bugger all. I don't know, probably all out somewhere. Oh dear, look at that bloody barricades up there. To take those down in a bit. I get through there, I don't know why someone's put bloody barricades up or something, bloody, bloody planks over there, it's, a, it's ridiculous this is. Right, let's, let's see what else we have to do around here, like. Right? 